What is up, people? And thank you all for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. I hope you guys are all doing safe out there. I know, obviously, it's a pretty scary time with the rise of the coronavirus. And, you know, you haven't heard from us in a while. And I don't want to hope I didn't scare anybody. We didn't scare anybody by not being on the air, talking sports for a while. Um, but we've been fine. Obviously, the sports world has not been fine. This has been a, a massive... Um, it's a massive undertaking ever since they, uh, ever since all these leagues and, and tournaments were suspended or canceled uh, all these past few weeks. It's been a very difficult time for the sports world. Of course, it's been a much more difficult time, obviously, for uh, the people who have been affected in terms of financially or physically. Um, so, of course, like we started our uh, last podcast, a New Generation Hero Talk, I do once again want to send my uh, well wishes to all the people who've been affected by this pandemic. Um, in any way, shape, or form, I hope you guys get better. And as I said in the last show as well, be sure to just, man, uh, listen to your, your local officials, your federal officials, whichever country you may be in or city or state you may be in. Be sure to keep your distance from people. Wash your hands. Um, definitely, definitely keep your distance from people of the older um, older ages and people who may be uh, you know, vulnerable to certain illnesses because of uh immune uh immune system uh, deficiencies so um so yeah so i hope you guys are all staying safe i hope this podcast while obviously you know hero talk while we did have some stuff that has affected the hero talk world so to speak um we still have to have a lot of fun with a lot of stuff that was happening i know the first half of this podcast may be a little depressing because of all the stuff we've lost but um but we're still gonna try to have some fun with it as we normally do and hopefully uh, this podcast could be a, a nice outlet for you guys that are obviously maybe stuck at home or can't really get out much. So hope you guys enjoy it. Should be a great podcast. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. So of course, not only will we be talking about the coronavirus stuff, but um, the NFL offseason, because I think the, the fact that we've had the, all these other games stopped is really taking kind of center stage this past week. And we've had a lot, a lot of major moves and a lot of controversy surrounding some of these moves. So we're going to get to all that stuff as well. We also have a familiar face returning to college basketball, and I'm very interested to hear what Kendall's got to say about that. And we got Kendall's court at the end of the show as well, and Kendall joins me now. Uh, uh, so, Kendall, what's up, man? And what are you looking forward to talking about uh, today? Can you give us a little preview of maybe what we may hear on Kendall's court at the end? Uh, Kendall's court, you mentioned college basketball, familiar face has returned. We will get to that later in the show, but... Uh, there's also going to be a major documentary released by HBO centering on the FBI investigation into college basketball uh, and some of the crazy stories behind that. Uh, a couple of coaches are certainly sweating upon the release. Uh, there have already been some screenings of it, so we'll break down some of the stuff that you will eventually see in the in the uh, in the movie. Um, but it's it's some some scathing stuff on some. You know, major, major coaches at the Power Five level. Um, so it should be interesting. You know, get it, you know, kind of, you know, we kind of forgot about that. You know, NCAA kind of swept it under the rug, but uh, we'll see uh, how long they can continue to do that after this documentary releases. Now, Kendall, I know obviously today we, we're not going to do whose flames, whose trash is we, because obviously we haven't been on the, on, uh, we haven't done a podcast in a couple of weeks. So for time and purposes, considering that we have a lot to get to, I didn't want to bog us down with another segment. So that's not going to be part of the segment this week, but I do have to get your reaction to the notion that the NCAA has decided that it will suspend its 
uh, studies into the um, uh, likenesses and, 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 and player compensation uh, because of the coronavirus was what I saw. <laughs> and well, I'm, I'm, I sit here and I'm just stunned. I mean, they literally don't have, they literally have nothing to do. Like they literally, yeah, they can't, anything, they have no games. They're not organizing games. They're not, they have no broadcast. They, I mean, they literally just chilling at the crib and, and they're using coronavirus to say, sorry, we can't give justice to these kids that we're, that we're robbing blind. Sorry. I just I I couldn't believe it when I saw that shout out to John Robson. I believe he was the first person that had this uh had that tweet. But um seriously, the coronavirus is why you can't you're gonna just stop work completely on how to end your obscene corruption? That's absurd. What I thought was funny with the NCAA is uh you know, we talk about um you will talk about the NBA's obviously cancel not cancellation, but suspension of the season, um, and how the NCAA how the tournament was canceled. And Mark Emmert uh, actually said that you know he he they they realized that there was going to be no tournament once Rudy Gobert got uh got what you call it you know got tested positive for coronavirus, and I thought that was a that was a little odd as well that you I mean you're a that they were planning on playing the games until that happened, you know, like, and he may be, he's being honest, I guess, you know, Adam Silver kind of said the same thing. So I can't blast him too much, but you also have to think about the fact that like, I mean, you run a billion dollar organization, uh, you have your own, your own, you know, experts that you're talking to, you're talking to CDC as well. It really took the road, the really thing to wake your eyes up or wake yourself up and open your eyes about, you know, oh, maybe we shouldn't play these games. You know, like, and also it's just putting blame on Rudy Gobert that just didn't need to be put on. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah, now well, you, yeah, you're yeah. deflecting, you're deflecting the thing that, oh, well, look, if this clown Gobert wouldn't have tested positive, we would have had March Madness. And right. I'm like, that's, which is like, that's, ridiculous. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous because, I mean, we've had so many other cases unrelated to Rudy Gobert since. Yeah, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, to be honest, I didn't even take it as a Rudy Gobert was our skate. Well, he was their scapegoat, but I think I took it. I take that more as we were trying to get every dollar and cent we could out of everything we had riding on this tournament until we realized we couldn't, and we knew that um, that situation would be determined by some athlete testing positive. And I think once that happened, they knew the game was over. I think the NBA. NBA was the same way. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that the NBA also was on some higher ground. I, and a lot, they gotten a lot of credit, and I mean, I think they did what they're supposed to. I'm not saying that they they're being overpraised for shutting it down, but I think that they were like, look, we're gonna try to get as much money as we can in this, and like you know, the Warriors were about to play the Nets in an empty arena game the following night. Had they, we never had that Rudy Gobert thing, like they were gonna because they were playing with advertising and money is still involved. So, um, and we see some companies, they just, I mean, that's kind of unfortunately the nature of capitalism. And to be fair, I mean, the, you know, economy of sports is super important to a lot of people. It's not just the, you know, the rich guys. It's the people who work in the arenas and stuff too. So I don't want to just make it like, oh, it's all these people protecting their, their bag. But at the end of the day, um, the NBA, they, they shut it down when they realized it was no longer, it was no longer feasible 
and safe to, to continue. Um, they tried to do as much as they could to try to continue even without the fans, uh, which shows you how much that money really mattered. But uh, but once they realized that, that even that couldn't be done, they did they did their thing, and then a college basketball you know follows suit. I, what's weird to me is for him to say that though, which is kind of why this gets to my major point is I don't really believe him because he says that, but. I mean, the Big East tournament and, like, tournaments were, like, still, like, they were on their way to being played. It wasn't until, like, you know, late in the morning that then it became a thing where, you know, we're done. So, like, Rudy Gobert's, yeah, Rudy Gobert's positive test was the night before. And it wasn't, like, late at night. It was, like, the middle of the evening. It was, like, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe they made the decision. They were just maybe dotting their I's and crossing their T's. But we didn't get their word about what was happening with March Madness until the next afternoon. And they canceled. They started canceling the the, the, mid, the postseason tournaments, conference tournaments, right before noon. I know this because I, I was working at a new station that was reporting when they started doing this. So the timeline is very fresh in my mind. So... I, I don't, again, maybe I need to give him a slack to say, okay, well, maybe it took enough time to kind of call the people you need to call, tell them what's up, and then realize, and finally, you know, cancel it. But I just feel like the way I remember it, I just remember, like, Rudy Gobert testing positive, and then Jay Williams coming out that next morning, and then Jay Billis echoing those sentiments, and then they started to cancel. Like, I don't Charles I, Barkley. Charles Barkley, you know, like, it was maybe the night before, even, like, I don't, I don't, that seems like revisionist history. And while I don't know if they, their intention was to just throw Rudy Gobert under the bus again, there's evidence to suggest maybe that there is. Because like I said, I don't think that that timeline matches up to what actually happened. And I'm not even here to, to, to diss them. I think the only people that really in the NCAA or in college basketball need that need to be raked through the cold was the, was the Big East for trying to play a conference tournament game at noon while all these other tournaments are being canceled. And it, I mean, that was just completely absurd in the league. The whole NBA was canceled. Like it didn't make any sense. Um, but let, let's, let's, let's continue that conversation right there. Um, so let's start. So obviously again, like I said, at the top of the show, the coronavirus pandemic has hit the world of sports in a major, major way. All major professional sports in America that would normally be in action have suspended games. That includes the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball, which was in spring training. We would normally be in the middle of March Madness, as, as we've talked about. The NCAA uh, tournament was canceled, ending the college basketball season altogether. As we also mentioned at the top of the show, Rudy Gobert was the first and still probably the most controversial uh, uh, confirmed case of coronavirus amongst major American sports figures. Since him, uh, we've seen uh, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant, Sean Payton and others test positive for the illness within the uh, sports world here in America. Right now, there is no clear time for when or even if some of these seasons will resume. A big eye is on the NBA, which is still mulling how it will how it will approach post-coronavirus life. Commissioner Adam Silver admits this ordeal could completely reshape the NBA schedule for the foreseeable future. There have been talks that if the league could resume the season, it would likely happen sometime in June as a best-case scenario, and potentially with the playoffs consisting of a best-of-five series as opposed to the best-of-seven series that we've we've had for the last um, probably 15, 20 years in terms of it being only best-of-seven every series. Uh, So, Kendall, obviously we've unpacked a little bit of it, but there's a lot more to unpack. I want to get to the NBA uh, 
part of this conversation, and maybe we'll circle back to some of the other sports, particularly college basketball. But uh, do you see a pathway to finishing this NBA season? And if it is completed, would the results be legitimate? Um, so I'll preface this by saying uh, I'm not a doctor or an expert. Um, so it's hard for me to say whether or not the season could continue from a, I don't know how long this thing's going to last perspective. Um, if like, I don't know what, I mean, a lot of people don't know. A lot of experts don't know how long this thing's going to last. We don't know as a country in the United States, how long things going to last. So, uh, it's hard for me to answer. I guess my thing would be hypothetically, let's say this thing lasts till, uh, I mean, right now it's suspended for 30 days. It's very, very, it's an unrealistic timeline that it's going to last only 30 days. But uh, let's say this thing's done in May and we're pretty much back to not status quo, but we're approaching status quo. Yeah, you could finish the season. Uh, you could probably play some regular season games, get into the playoffs, or even some exhibition games if you'd like. But, uh, you know, then go straight into the playoffs and then season ends pretty much in, you know, late June, July. And then, you know, the season maybe starts a week or two. Well, all season starts a week or two later than it normally would. That is a very, very optimistic timeline. It's a very unlikely timeline, I would say. Um, the way this is going for the NBA, you have to hope that this goes until that that you can. You one simple as fact, you have to you have to hope that you can play a season, that you can finish this season. And I guess we'll get into why that is so imperative later. But to answer your question. Um, I think there is so much motivation for them to finish a season financially uh, that if this thing, if they can, like an option for them to do so within the next sometime during the summer. I think they would. Something that we can't, none of us can predict. Seems life getting worse. The prognosis coming forward, but um, but uh, we that's kind of a, still a wait and see for everybody. Um, in terms of if the season were to be finished and uh, there was and somebody ended up winning a championship, uh, I don't. I would say it's completely tainted because say it is completely tainted. No, I wouldn't say it's you wouldn't. Okay. No, I wouldn't say it's completely tainted because this is a situation where every it's an even playing field. You know what I mean? Like everyone's dealing with the same issue. Um, no one. There are some teams that are probably helped by it more than others. Teams that have injuries, you know, star players that are that are hurt that are now going to be coming back. Teams that, uh, you know, maybe needed more time to rest. For whatever reason, like those are the big reasons why a team, maybe older teams, like those teams would be, I guess, be advantaged by this break. But I'm not going to say that a championship is tainted because the team was given more time to get back to full strength. So, um, yes, are there going to be teams out of rhythm? Sure, but everyone's going to be out of rhythm. So it'll be weird. It'll be something that we that we look at when we look at the history of sports and we look at the history of the NBA if the season were to finish and say. Wow, like 
remember that season, just like we look at the lockout seasons, you know, it's just going to be similar to a lockout season in a lot of regards. Um, but there are a lot of reasons why if this season does not go, if this season does not finish and it's stopped where it is, which if you're asking me what I think will happen, I think that's what will happen. Just given the, the grim prognosis we've gotten uh, over the last couple of days. But um, there are a lot of reasons why that would be catastrophic. But I'll let you answer your question. Um, well, there's a lot to unpack in all that stuff you said. But on my, my question about whether or not uh, I see a pathway to finish in this season, I, I see one. How likely is it? I think it's pretty unlikely. Um, I'm probably one of the more pessimistic people in regards to the, the status of this NBA season. Um, obviously, I think you make good points that there is definitely going to be a financial incentive to finish the season because they've just lost. So, I mean, the the, the millions, I don't even know, maybe billions even, I'm not even sure, but the, the amount of money that's lost in the NBA or just the NBA construct, if you're just not even taking the league, but just every individual network, all, all the things that go into the league, in terms of advertising, in terms of ticket sales, in terms of concessions, in terms of jobs, like... Um, that as Governor Cuomo, to quote him, he said, I mean, the number is incalculable, he was talking about in regards to, like, the impact in terms of the, the loss of money in New York. And that's how I feel it is about the NBA. I mean, that number, I, I can't even give you what that number is. I mean, it's, again, it could be in the billion range. So that's not money they're trying to, they're going to just be like, all right, we're cool with not having that billion. We're, we're just going to let that work. Yeah, they're going to do everything. Whatever number power. that is, if it's not a billion, if it's 500 million, whatever, they ain't going to be all right, well, I guess that's just 5 million we lost, like. Nah, they're going to try to definitely recoup that, especially when, I mean, I don't know how the NBA pay situation is. I would assume that guys are still getting paid. So so I don't know if they want to have, you know, also, I mean, I think that's a little bit of a kind of a, a lower, a lower kind of thing on the, um, on the totem pole in terms of how, why they would want to come back. I don't know if owners want to just be like, all right, well, you know, for you guys that are supposed to give me playoffs, you know, Sorry, we just take your full $18 million for our full 82-game season and playoffs that you're supposed to get and go home. Like, I don't think they want to do that. I think they want to get whatever they have been promised within the contracts that they've all agreed to, the individual players. So I think that that's also probably a little bit of an incentive, even when you're hearing things about five-game playoff or starting the playoffs in June even. And even complete, to me, completing the regular season to me seems insane. That, to me, I, I don't see... Like, cause it's not like there's five games left. Like, like I'm not saying it's a lot, but there's like ten or twelve games. Like, like most teams have, I think, at least like twelve games left. And the idea that you're gonna finish all of those with all these teams that have nothing to play for, I don't know. I, I that that to me seems crazy. I don't know if you tell me maybe we're gonna cut those games in half, come to five or come to three. Like maybe that I can see. But I, I think, in my opinion, I think they they should just go straight to the playoffs. Which is also troublesome to me because I one do I think the results would be illegitimate? Yes, I do. But let me get away from that for a second. I'll get to why. I'm more concerned about player health. Now you're saying okay, these guys have gotten plenty of rest, and I've heard you know shout out to Matt Barnes. Um, I, I kind of com- I've tweeted him. I, I tweeted. I reposted him on Instagram and said he said similar things where he was like players will be re- rebooted, players will be re-energized. 
and and everybody will be playing on an even play, slate, and we may end up getting great basketball. I think this would be the opposite. I think that you'll have a lot of guys that won't be in the greatest shape. The NBA's already, you know, um, closed down a lot of practice facilities, or all practice facilities today. Um, so NBA facilities, you can't even go in them anymore. Not to say, that, I mean, these guys can find a gym. You know, they're millionaires. Well, not really. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's a fair yeah, point. Really, unless you got a gym in your house. Oh, yeah. No, up? that's a fair point. I mean, I, you're right. I, I take that back. I don't know if they can find a gym. I don't know what they're doing. So, so. Yeah, so like, you, I, I can't say for a fact. Now, you're right. There are millionaires, so there may be places. Right. So, like, it's, it's kind of like the idea, like, when, you know, shout out to uh, Peter Rosenberg and Joe Budden. But, like, when Peter Rosenberg and him were fighting and he was like, well, I hope you get a studio. He's like, you don't think a rapper can find a studio? And that's kind of how I feel about sure. a basketball player. I'm like, you don't think a basketball player can find a gym, an NBA player? But yo, these are yeah, ex- exactly. these are accentuating circumstances. Like that may be yeah, it's the government. Yeah, the government. Yeah, I mean, putting the military that may be real because all gyms in New York are closed, and all gyms yeah. in a lot of states are closed. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, unless you have a home gym, like I don't, I don't. If you're New, if you're a New York basketball player, I don't know where you're playing basketball. I have, I have no idea. Unless you're gonna go out yeah. to the park. Because you can't go nowhere. Nothing's open. Not like a gym, per se. There's stuff open, but not not no, not any gyms. So, so I don't know. I, I'm concerned about player health. Because you're going to tell guys you're going to be off for two, three months. Okay, you're rested. That's good. So you're, you're rested and nursed all injuries you may have had. You may have been able to rehab your way back to health. But again, what kind of rehab are you getting if you don't have NBA facilities open and trainers available to, to, to you know work with you? Um, all your, you know, even if they are able to maybe do house calls, like you don't have all the equipment maybe you normally would have and, and all the, the, the state-of-the-art technology that are at these facilities. Um, you get three months off. You don't have any of the stuff you normally do. You may not even have a trainer. And, okay, you come back. Let's say they give you, like, a one-week or two-week training camp, for lack of a better term. And then you say, okay, go to the playoffs. Guys are getting hurt, man. Like I'm sorry, like playoff basketball is not is not like any other type of basketball. I know that's obviously that's obvious to me to say that, but it isn't just okay. You can roll the ball out there. You can just go up there and run up and down. I mean that's it's incredibly physical. It's incredibly taxing, um, and it's a higher level of intensity. And if your body isn't in the right shape, that's why you that's kind of why you play the 82 game because your body gets to a certain point where it kind of is. If you train and you kind of go through the season correctly, barring any injury, you hope that you kind of can peak. You know, by the playoffs, and then you'll be ready to go because it's like a marathon, as they say. You know, imagine if you were running a marathon and they stopped you. You know, on the 18th mile, just stopped you. Say, all right, go home, and you'll you'll come back, and we'll start you from wherever you were on the thing, and you're just gonna run. But you're not gonna be able to practice. You're not gonna be able to work out. You're not gonna be able to do anything. You can't even go to your home facility wherever you train to get ready for this. We're just going to bring you back in three months, and you're going to just run the rest of the marathon without any of the kind of work you've done to prepare for that marathon. That ain't going to go well. Like, those people are going to get hurt. And, I'm, like, obviously running a marathon is, I would think, more difficult than playing one NBA game. But when you consider these are big physical athletes crashing into each other, jumping and running, I'm worried you're going to have a lot of soft tissue injuries. I'm worried you're going to have a lot of non-contact injuries. I don't, I don't think it's safe personally, to try to tell these guys you're going to play NBA NBA playoff basketball after two or three months off. I think that that's crazy. I, they may do it because the money may suggest that they have no choice, but 
I'm that's my deepest concern. Any thoughts on that aspect of it before I get to why I think it would be legit illegitimate anyway? <laughs> um Yeah, I mean the injury thing is a concern. Uh I guess that's why I say you need you need like a week or two of preseason to kind of restart exhibition games. Uh kind of get guys back in, in playing shape. Um I, again I already told you, I don't think that this is going to happen. But uh, I guess I just think of if if there's a scenario where we can start playing games in June and if, if all right, you can leave your house and not be that concerned and social distancing has kind of been, we've kind of moved on from that mandate, then by May, could they start working out? You know, mid-May, two weeks. June rolls around, they start playing games. I I think that's possible. Um, I think if you give these guys two weeks to work out, play a couple exhibition games. If my thing is at that point, that now you're playing your you're playing yourself into shape during the playoffs, and maybe you don't like that. Mm-hmm. But like a one eight matchup, two seven matchup, like those are the contenders anyway. All right, but I'm saying like three, four, six we, games of those, those three, four, five games. I mean, I don't want a guy tearing his. He might have some his, weird results, yeah. I don't want a guy blowing out his knee well, because he didn't play in three months. Like, yeah, it's not, that's not that ain't worth it to injuries. Or a guy tearing, got tearing his hamstring, tearing his hamstring. Like even if it's not a knee thing, like I mean, you could have bad injuries even if it's not necessarily a structural knee or you know. Achilles, like it doesn't have to be that, but it could be something else that's serious. You know, torn bicep, a torn tricep, like all those are. Those, it's not nothing. I mean, you may be able to recover, and you may not ruin your career, but that's serious stuff. And I don't know if it's worth throwing these guys out. I mean, look to the NBA for them and the dollar. It's worth it. I'm saying, just as a fan, is it worth it for me? I love the NBA. I if they come back, I'll be so happy to watch NBA basketball. But as I get older, I also just as a, just a person, I just worry about people's well-being, regardless of what I feel about their occupation. I don't know. It's just, I guess as a kid, maybe you don't care about that stuff as much. You just think of it as sports. But to me, like as a as a as a fan, but also as a as a, just another adult, I kind of look at these games, man. I'm gonna be wincing. I'm gonna be like, oh, LeBron, 35 years old, hasn't played two three months. He's gonna be. You know, I know obviously he he has all the tools necessary to probably stay in the great shape that he needs. But still, like I mean, I'm, I, it's going to be nervous to me. I can't I can't deny it. Um. I yeah. I mean, I could see that argument. I I don't know. I just feel like that that for me that's I don't want to say that's that's not on the totem pole, but it's low uh, of things that I'm. Oh, I well, here's about. the thing. I think that it's low on the NBA's total too. I think they made that very clear. I think that I've never heard them once talk about player health. And I again, I've heard foreign players talking about this is going to be great. Again, Matt Barnes, shout out to him. No diss to him, but he thinks this is going to be guys going to be at their best. I, Look, I think guys, I, 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 I mean, think, have y'all watched NBA? Have y'all watched NBA preseason basketball? Have y'all watched the first two weeks of the NBA season? Do y'all see what that basketball looks like? You see the guys that come up. Oh, I got a, it got a sore hamstring, or a sore, a sore foot, or a sore knee. Like, I'm trying to be re- 100% real with my audience. Like, I I want the NBA to come back. I want NBA playoff basketball. But you cannot tell me that the only 
the only kind of reference I have to what is basketball like if guys haven't played three months and I throw them out there on short notice. The only reference I have is preseason basketball the first two weeks of the NBA season. That's it. So how am I supposed to – I don't – I mean, look, those games are brutal. I don't know if that's what – the. that's not the best of what the NBA has to offer. How can I look at that and say that's going to be a legitimate result when it's all, this is all said and done? How am I supposed to feel confident these guys are going to be able to stay healthy knowing that not only – they don't have the option to play themselves into shape. Every game they're playing is going to be do or die. It's the playoffs. It's win or go home. So guys pushing their bodies when they're not ready to be pushed in that level – and I'm supposed to think that they're going to be okay after not playing for two or three months or playing a couple of preseason games that will be regular season games, but will act as preseason games for probably teams like the Lakers and the Bucks and the Raptors. I'm trying to keep it 100. I'm not – people who can listen to this show, they can disagree. That's fine. But you tell me what other reference you have for watching players not play in three months and then play basketball and looking smooth and nobody getting hurt and tell me what that looks like. I don't – I mean, the only other reference you have is Team USA Basketball. And even as we saw last year, how that looked. <laughs> like, did that did that make you feel good about how the guys be ready to play after watching Team USA this past year? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, It can't I mean, give that, you any confidence. If, if you're talking about what – yeah, basketball for our players looks like having not played in that long. Those guys at least got to train for two, three months, or not two, three months, but like a month. They got to train. Yeah, I mean, I think guys would be, I, I think guys will be in better shape than we're giving them credit for. Now, it depends on. We also don't know how many guys are going to be sick. You know, like there was a lot of variables. I mean, the Lakers just announced as we, while while we do this podcast that two of his players have gotten sick, uh, and they have they have been tested positive that's, for coronavirus. Yeah, and um, and there's a lot. I don't know. Obviously, I don't want to. That's got four. Yeah, the Sixers have a bunch of people in their organization. Um, I think one person from the Denver organization was tested positive, and I don't want to speculate, obviously, because we don't know who these Lakers are. But I know there is concern for Javale McGee because he has uh very severe asthma and was out last year with pneumonia for a long time. So he's clearly not someone we want. I don't, we don't want anyone getting this, obviously. But he's definitely someone we don't want coming anywhere near this kind of virus. So let's hope that he's okay. But, you know, obviously prayers and uh, well wishes to not just the Lakers or the Nets or the Sixers or, the, you know, the Nuggets, but all these NBA teams that are, are being hit by this. Um Real quickly, before we move off of coronavirus, I do want to get your thoughts on just how the college basketball season ended. We talked a little bit. We talked a lot about it already, but do you, is there any remedy? For, I, I don't think there is any remedy for what happened this year. It's just a lost year. It's unprecedented. We'll always think about this, and it'll be probably in a 30 for 30 in 10 years, and it'll be great But in terms of a documentary. But it's it's there are some people saying, well, maybe you should do uh, let the seniors come back. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, the only idea I gave you, and, I don't, and this is going to be highly controversial, and I would understand people thinking that this is ridiculous, but I think that if you're a team that, I think if you're a team that that won an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament through the conference tournament, I would not count the Ivy League team because they changed their rules in the middle of the season to, to to try to get ahead of coronavirus. 
But um, I think you should get an automatic bid in the NCAA tournament, no matter what. Now, I think that those teams should still, like, I don't, I think my, that, that, what that would mean, to be clear, is that you would have to expand the tournament to 75 teams, however many teams had got automatic bids. Or maybe those teams end up winning their conference tournament and it's not an extra bid anyway. But I, I just feel bad for the the team that did all the hard work, got to that point. Because a lot of those teams that did um, qualify are teams that are um, smaller schools. And a lot of these players, this is the, the height of their careers. I know some people are saying, well, what about the seniors? And look, that's tough. I don't think the seniors should be allowed to come back. I think that's getting too crazy. But to me, I'm worried about, like, look, you're a junior. You made the NCAA tournament and you didn't play. That's still rough. You may never get it back. If you're a freshman. You may never get back. I think that... If you did the work to get there, I think you should be guaranteed a spot. In soccer, they do it all the time where what you did last year has, you know, precedent on what tournaments you get into, what leagues you get into. Like, it doesn't make any sense. If, if, technically, if we're saying if you're, people who are arguing with me, you say, well, in soccer, they do it and it's fine. And teams change and, and rosters change and coaches change. And it doesn't matter. Those teams still earn the right to that tournament because of what they did the previous season. I would do the same thing for college basketball. So if you're a Hofstra, um, if you're East Tennessee State, though they're a great program, usually they may get in anyway. Um, but some of these other schools that, you know, haven't made it for 20 years and now time to get in, coronavirus hits them. My proposal would be add those teams in, expand the tournament, and however many teams you need to add, add them and then just figure it out from there. But am I crazy? Do you think that's a terrible idea? I feel like most people would think it is, but that's that's what I would do. Um, I I think you I think you're on to some those teams. You about just the, the fact that you, the only reason I don't need to do that. You just broke up a little there. Can you just say that one more time? Yeah, I, I just. You know, I, you're on to something, I guess, a little bit, but, you know, I guess my thing is that, um, you know, what do you do about the teams that did it? Like, it's an incomplete, it was an incomplete conference tournament team. So I, I, I feel weird giving it to, like, teams that won their conference tournaments, but then some teams that were obviously going to win it, but didn't, like Dayton, didn't get the chance. Do they not get the automatic qualifying? Bit. No, I mean to me, I mean and again, that's, I, that's that's, I'm that's where I think it's flawed. I mean, personally. life life isn't fair. Um, I'm trying to be as fair as possible, and I just feel like. But then, why give it to these teams anyway? Because I, because I think that in college sports, we always talk about looking out for the little guy. At least we we hope to. And like that's the whole thing, especially college basketball. The idea that that the little guy is what really makes college basketball in the way, because when he gets to March, it's all about them. Really, it's not really about the Dukes and the Carolinas, at least not until the second weekend. And that whole big weekend, which is where they make all the most of their money besides the Final Four, it's all about the little guys. So to me, it's looking out for those little guys who, the, again, some of these players, some of these teams won't make the tournament for another twenty years. Like again, Hasha had. So you're, you're saying years. you're saying expand the tournament, right? Yes. Yeah, so how I would do this is. I would not get not take rid of. I'm not not I'm not taking away bids. So you know, if Hofstra is in the Colonial Athletic Conference, for example, I know I'm hitting on Hofstra, but that's the team that keeps coming to my mind. Like you would still East have Tennessee, East Tennessee State, yeah, or East Tennessee State in in the SoCon, I believe. Um, you would have your conference tournament regardless. Like they would play in the and they would play in the conference tournament. The only thing would be 
they, like their bid is already solidified. So they could treat the tournament. They would be able to treat the tournament how they want it. Like if they wanted to rest players, they they can. They wanted to win it, and that would maybe help them because maybe that would help them with seeding or help them with keeping less teams in it. That's fine. And then based by the time you got to, because really remember, it's only the first. We only had like a week, and I even need a week of tournament games. So you would be able to to you'd be able to slot out the rest of the tournament bracket pretty easily once you got past like the Tuesday of championship week. Like, all right, so we know we have these six teams and then two more teams that, like, won their conference tournament that weren't the other team. They were added. So we can now, like, figure out the bracket to make it work. And may, and who knows? Maybe those teams who are um, – if you determine that those teams are not teams that would have qualified anyway, maybe you put them in, like, a, a play-in situation. Like, I, I would be open to that too. I mean, because that may be fair as well. Maybe you say, okay, well, they shouldn't be directly into the tournament like everyone else. I, I could understand that. But my thing is, I would give them a chance. Cause I feel like they earned a chance and they never got a chance. And I think that that would be, again, the most fair thing to do. It would be unfortunate because Hofstra has, like, amazing seniors this year. And East Tennessee State has amazing seniors. And, like, I mean, you might be talking about a team that has 13 wins. I don't know. But my thing is, they were losing their playing game anyway. So it, it would be fine if you did it like that. That's just my only thing is I think that if you earned it, you should get – it's a one-time only – Golden ticket. You have your whole season to get yourself ready for the NCAA tournament. You could lose as many games you need to, you know, change your rosters as many you need to, but you 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 still have a shot at the end of the day. Once we get to March, to take your shot at the NCAA tournament. That's that's how I would do it. That's my crazy. That's my crazy um, vision. It'll never happen, but that's what I would do. I I like that much better than bringing back the seniors. I don't. I, to me, I think that that's it's a mess. That's situation. that's to me. That's that's like. That's like artificially changing the sport in a way that I just think it feels almost like comic book like. Yeah, you create like super teams. Yeah, yeah. Teams would be great just off of that. You know, and then we're going to be talking about, well, this team only won a championship because this coronavirus, you know, you know, and that 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 becomes like imagine seeing Cassius basically playing point for Michigan State again. Like, come on, we can't do that. Like, that's that's right. right, You You can't do that. Like Auburn brings back their whole team, and then they add Sharif Cooper and Jalen right. Green, and yeah. it's like, well, now they're going to win the national championship. And I know, <laughs> but, and I know that the, the um, argument, the argument would be for some people to say, well, some of these guys have the option to make millions of dollars, and they'll choose that instead. And yeah, a lot of these guys will. And you're, but maybe that's a fair point. But, but that's I, not the that's not the uh, the majority won't. No, the and majority I, will take the extra year right. eligibility. And then my thing um, is, what are we doing in terms of those guys? I know this is going to sound very old man yells at cloud and i don't really care about this but i'm really only bringing up the point because the ncaa continues the sham of amateur athletics but what are we doing about like so what are they going to college still like what are they doing are they graduate students like what about the guys that have been there five years like are they just taking more classes who's paying for that are they still on scholarship do the scholarship numbers increase like i think those are a lot of different variables that they have to figure out that would make that a lot more difficult than I think the layman's person imagines. I'm not saying my proposal is easy, but again, because it's so few teams, I think that you could probably do the math and get it figured out fairly simply. Whereas it's saying, um, all right, you got all these guys back and okay, you, you had six recruits coming in cause you lost six seniors, but now you got an 18 man roster. Like, how does that make any sense? Like, you know, like it, like right, it, it, I don't and now you, you screw can't, over, you can't, you you can't just bring back all the Yeah, 
And you're our kid's gonna be told, sorry, we don't got a spot for you. I seen your I seen your leading point guard who led the conference of the scissors back. So Yeah, now you're the third string. We don't need you. Or yeah, yeah or now you come off the bench, or now you're redshirted. Like now coaches who already lie to these kids day and night, not lying to them some more, like I don't know. I, I am definitely against but I guess that's my only thing that's my only issue with it is that when you do the whole uh giving these teams a bid that I mean, I guess they earned it. I pardon me for coaches when you reward the players. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the coaches are going to be the ones that benefit the most in theory. Obviously, the players are still in team benefit, but you know, you do feel like, well, what about the guys that you know, the seniors who a lot of these guys, you know, were the leaders of their teams or yeah. the best players. You know? That's yeah. the only issue, and it's not at least there's nothing really you can do. It's not a it's perfect. It's, it's definitely not a perfect fix. I, I don't even pretend to say that it I, is. I just I'm trying to give these kids. What something. do you think about the notion? And this isn't um, this isn't anything really that uh, kind of it's not very arbitrary. It's more this is something that's just being thrown out there. But um, what do you think about the the idea that Kansas should be considered the national champions? No, this has to be, this has to be no. That this has to be a vacant year. Yeah, it has to be a vacated uh, championship. Yeah, you can't you can't decide. Oh, we're gonna have what? like that would be like in the NBA they, the lockout. If, well, there hasn't been an NBA stoppage, but like in baseball when the strike happened, you'd be like, all right, the Montreal Expos are the World Series champions. Like right now, with the Bucks. Yeah, okay, the Bucks are the NBA champions. Like you, that would be completely illegitimate. That's yeah. that's crazy. You can't do that. Well, you know, like give give Kansas Kansas should have a banner. They should be considered the national champs. Give them the trophy. I'm like, these are college basketball writers that are saying this as well. This isn't just Kansas fans. These are national people saying Kansas earned it. They, you know, finished the season. This has been the turvy of a season for me to have any reason to give Kansas the, the national championship. If this was maybe the year with Kentucky, where they were the obvious best team in the country, and still, they still didn't even win it. But, like, then I would have been like, all right. We probably they probably are the best team in the country. There really is no debate. But Kansas, their lot of people didn't think Kansas was the best team in the country. Yeah, they kind of they, yeah, of they all kinda years, got this, hot at the right time. Yeah, of all years, this is not the year you should be just giving anybody any kind of national championship proclamation. Thinking that how you, often does the number one overall seed ever? Who, who's to say Baylor doesn't beat them in the Big Twelve championship game? And then like right, it, there's too many factors. That go into, you know, who the number one overall seed is, who the number one team in the country is. Just because you finish number one in the polls at the right time, there's too many games to be played. I, I that's to me, I think that would be a disgrace. And I, I don't know if they'll do it. I don't think they will, given all the they don't want to vacate it a week later. <laughs> but um, have to vacate it a week later if something comes out on Kansas. But um, yeah, just a, it's a shame you got no NCAA tournament. It's been a weird. Weird week. It's gonna continue to be a weird, weird week. Um, how do you feel the NFL will move with the NFL draft? Obviously, they've done free agency, which we'll talk about very soon. But the NFL draft is really the only thing left on the calendar. Yeah. Before I answer that question, real quickly, uh, just to note, Kansas cannot be named national champion because the state senate in Florida has already named the Florida State Seminoles the national champions because uh, yeah they, they passed that resolution. Still saying, in Florida. I feel like Florida is always one. I mean, we we say why is it always Florida, and like at this point, we really shouldn't expect any less. In college football, basketball, in, in life, Kendall, it's Florida man, <laughs> yeah, and it, it don't even matter. It's not even just college. 
it's not sports anymore. It's just life. Like we say, why Florida? It's like, man, why not? Like (laughs) Florida is Florida. So of course, Florida is involved with some shenanigans. So yes, Kansas, uh, uh, there would be a challenge already because the state of Florida had already that, that, the state senate. That, that that ACC tournament that they canceled and they just gave the trophy to Florida State. That was also a, a disgrace. Yeah, that was that was yeah that was. It, now to be fair, you know it was a random situation, so I'm not gonna like kill the the commissioner of the ACC for naming <laughs> them the conference tournament champs. But it was just like, what are you doing? Like, these guys all, they're posing for the picture. I'm, like, watching in the background. I'm, like, what is this picture? Then I realized, oh, they're being named the champs. I'm, like, they're only being named the champs because they were about to play. But like, I figured if Duke was about to play, they probably would have given the trophy to them. If you want to know how, like, if, so, yeah. if you want to know how dishonest our current political climate is, just listen to what's actually written in the state resolution in Florida by the Senate that passed 37 to 2, I think, on a vote. It says, quote, Florida State were favored to challenge the top seeds in the national tournament and take home the national title. That's cap, bro. That's complete, utter cap. No, they were not favored to beat the top seeds in the state tournament. Where are they getting that from? That's, I mean, look, Florida State yeah, had a great that's, season. That's they were one of the top 10 teams probably in college basketball, for you know, arguably for sure. But they were favored to challenge the top seeds and take home the title. That's nowhere. There's no evidence to suggest that. Um, so, yeah, that was just absurd. But in terms of the NFL draft real quick before we move on, I mean, I think you got it. I mean, I think they'll hold it, but I know I don't know if they've had Sean any. Sean Payton really throw their monkey wrench in that a little bit. Because, like, what starts happening if more personnel people start getting I mean, sick? I, I don't know because personnel people aren't at the NFL draft. So, well... Like, like, Sean Payton's not at the NFL uh, draft. Not necessarily about... Well, see, I don't know if the draft's even happening in in, in, in a remote location. Well, yeah, I feel like it's going to be happening. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be at Las Vegas in that, like, you know, in that, like, pool in the middle of the water. It's supposed to be a crazy draft thing. Yeah. I don't, they, yeah. I don't think they could do yeah, any I feel that, bad. So. Yeah, they're not doing any of that. There's no... They already announced no public... No, the public won't be there. Right. Um, But you got to hold it. I can't draft. imagine... You can't postpone it. Well, yeah, but like my guess is it'll be a digital event. No, it ain't my guess it'll be on tele- televised digital event. You know, ESPN or somebody NFL Network they may both host it from their own studio and they'll just announce the picks. Raj Goodell may be there, maybe like the MLB draft at most. Like the MLB draft is like basically in MLB Network studios, <laughs> and Rob Manfred's there. Like I think that'll be what this is. Oh, I mean that's possible. I thought you were trying to say like they make, but like I don't think there will be players like there. I don't think there. Oh no, they won't there. Well, I mean, again, there aren't normally teams there anyway. It's just those guys that are sitting at the chair with the helmet helmet on on the the table. Right, the team representatives, you know, that announced the or send in the picks. Yeah, that probably Um, won't happen. What's the date on the draft? uh, April twenty something. I mean. I mean, things could be at their worst at that point. But I was going to say, I mean, it's a long and time. And that's my now. question, because Sean Payton is out already. That, you know, two weeks from now, like, what happens if GMs start getting quarantined? What happens if, I mean, the Saints whole organization could be quarantined by now. I don't know. You know, like, who knows? Like, what can you hold a draft if teams can't get together? Probably. But I don't know if it's a guarantee. That's my question. Yeah, I'm sh- uh, this draft is going to happen for sure. 
it will definitely be altered. Not to mention, way. teams haven't seen guys. We had the combine, but there's going to be no pro days. Basically, if you weren't at the com- combine, it's going to be hard for you to get drafted because yeah. teams don't have any of your medical information. And this is football. And teams are going to draft somebody without their medical information. It's, it's I mean, it's, 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 it's a mess, man. Yeah. No, yeah and it's yeah. not going to get any better. Like, if I were them, I'd almost consider pushing up the draft rather than pushing it back. Um, get it over with. Right. You know, while yeah. the free agency thing is going on. But, yeah, this is this is not good. Um, this could be hard for this to go on. But uh, they may, the NFL seems determined. Uh, so I think he still could. But the whole landscape of how we thought this draft could unfold is completely going to change. Um, you know, imagine if the NFL draft becomes like, like everyone's fantasy draft where you're just like looking up like a, a module on your computer just seeing like you know when the picks come across oh that would stink yo that would be, would be hella back, trash yo back in like the the 50s or like <laughs> he was announcing the newspaper yeah, yeah this newspaper. guy went number one last night like, yeah yo, this is a tough time for sports fans man this is <laughs> oh this is the darkest time this yeah I, this might be the worst time for sports fans i mean i got you know you asked me when was the last time i I seen anything like this and this obviously isn't a joking matter here but like the only time i could think of was unfortunately what happened with 9-11 where like um i believe a week of nfl games was canceled a bunch of baseball games were canceled and you know us being new yorkers living in new york city i know you were very very young i was young but aware of what was happening and was a massive sports fan even at uh, at that time, ten years old. Uh, that was, this is the only time I can think of that was similar to that in that and in, in the not having game. That was such a short yeah. Not the time. sad, not the sadness. Obviously, the sadness and the solemnness about it is different. But just not having sports and not knowing really what to do or what was going to happen, what was next. That the and this to me in some ways is uh, even more unknown because we. I mean, obviously, we didn't know if we were going to continue to be under attack or anything like that, but. This is kind of like, but we we figured out of our control. games will come back at some point. The seasons would resume like this, like like is literally like none of our control. Like we're controlling it as best as we can, and it, it, even that is still making things difficult in terms of the rising cases and things like that. So, and and this seems prolonged. Like with the NFL and, and baseball, like they you know they canceled a week or whatever, but then they had a clear data when they were coming back with this is just like i mean we're just gonna go away from 30 days and just see what happens after that you know like baseball is like we're gonna push the season back two weeks and then see what happens there we don't know when when spring training is starting back we you know it's just suspended for now aaron boone drove his like they showed video of him throwing, driving his car out of the out of the tampa facility he just left he's like i'm driving back up to connecticut he's like what do i gotta be here for like it's crazy i mean this is a this is I mean, the word "unprecedented" is the only word to describe what's happening. This is this is unbelievable. Um, but hopefully, man, I, I have faith. Obviously, that we'll get through it. You know, and, and again, I, I do send my best wishes to anyone who's being uh, impacted by this um, in any way. Again, whether it be family members or you yourself personally, whether it be physically or financially, we wish everybody gets out of this on the other side uh, better for this very tough time we have right now. Um, let's get to some of the non-coronavirus stuff and all of it centered around the NFL offseason. That's the only thing that really can continue while we're in this situation. And the biggest story this week was uh, an end of an era. 
Uh, while again, while the uh, Corona pandemic, yeah, has, man, uh, Stefan Diggs is gone in Minnesota. Well, look, I want to talk about Stefan Diggs. You jumped, you jumped the shark. I'll mention Stefan yeah, Diggs we'll in my that. next it segment. Be. But yeah, we'll uh, first, that. the end of an era in in New England. Um, uh, like I said before, I think uh, the lack of sports has actually put a higher focus and a larger focus on the NFL offseason, which has been very eventful. The biggest news coming from New England, where Tom Brady announced he was done playing with the New England Patriots, uh, and he was a free agent this offseason. And reports all indicate he is heading south to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First thing I immediately have to say, Kendall, is what did I tell you? What did I tell you? Weeks ago, yeah. maybe the last time we did this podcast, I was giving you the teams, and I told you the only teams he should seriously consider were the Bucks and the Chargers. And I said the Bucks, in some yeah. ways, were even more enticing if you forget about Los Angeles. And you thought I was nuts. You, you said that this is yeah. like you thought it was just crazy that he would even think about going to Tampa Bay. And look what happened. This is just like the Kawhi Leonard trade yeah. all over again. I told you, yeah. man, I'm telling you, Kawhi, yo, I think that I think the Raptors are a good trading partner for the Spurs. I think that they could make this work. It works for both teams. I mean, you could argue maybe it hasn't worked for the Spurs, but there was it made sense for both teams at the time, I thought. And this was a similar instinct. And I'm not look, trust me, you could listen to this podcast, you will hear a million different things of me saying stuff that's totally wrong. So I'm not gonna act like I'm some Nostradamus here, but Sometimes it don't hurt to listen to your older brother every now and then, Kendall, because I got this one dead on the money. TB going to TB, um, and look, I think that this was the right move for him. To be honest, I'm being 100. I, I I thought this made sense. Going to the AFC West is a lot more daunting than going to the uh, to the to the NFC South. You know, when you talk about yeah. Pat Mahomes and what he's going to be, he ain't going nowhere. So. While you may say, okay, well, the other teams aren't that great, but you're just going to be in a bloodbath with that guy for the rest of your career, however long it is, one or two years, and I don't know if he wants that smoke. The NFC, a little bit of a tougher conference, but the division is a lot more manageable. The Saints have run it the last few years, but they have an aging quarterback in themselves, and the other three teams, but you know, the Bucks included, just had no direction. We're going to talk about one of them in a second. Uh, so I thought, oh, go to Tampa, man. Weather's good. Division is manageable. I know you got the Saints. They're not easy, but, you know, they're also not world beaters, obviously. They lost in the first round of the playoffs this past year, the wild card round. Uh, you got great receivers. I think he has a. I think it was a coach that I really thought he would like and believe in, and that seems to be right in Bruce Arians. And just explosive weapons on the outside. And to me, I think with Tom Brady, what this move tells me is – he got tired of playing with those sorry receivers that he was playing with for the New England Patriots these past years. years. Yeah. And, and we'll see clear. if they get A.B. also. And get, yeah, and the word is A.B. may be a package deal. Which, I mean, yo, if you put A.B. Look, we don't know what his his mental ca- capacity is at this moment. And I hope right. he's in a good mind just space. just a football player. But if you get A.B. the talent and put him with Chris Godwin. At 75%. And, and yeah, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I heard shout out to my to my big homie Rob Parker. I know he's saying that people are, are jumping all out of the window just like we did for the Browns and that everybody was wrong and that he was right about the Browns. And oh, this is different. And I don't think I think you were high on the Browns. I don't think I don't, I don't remember. Oh no, I hated the Browns. You hated the Browns. I was probably a little more high on them than you then. 
Um, yeah. But I don't think either of us were going crazy about them, but like you did yeah. not think they were good. Uh, this seems different to me. I agree with you. Like I, I think that this is a different situation. The Bucks can get after the passer on defense. The Bucks have two like just stud wide receivers. I mean, we talk about Chris Godwin and and Mike Evans. I mean, people I think know Mike Evans, and a lot of people may not, maybe don't know Chris Godwin, but they should figure out and learn. This guy is a monster. You they got, will. Yeah, yeah. Oh, trust me. They will learn this season as long as Tom Brady and those guys stay healthy. You got Mike Evans and, and Godwin with, with those two guys. And look, I mean, I, uh, he's one of my most hated players in the NFL, not for anything personally, but just for my own fantasy team. So no disrespect to him. But damn it, O.J. Howard killed my fantasy team this year. I drafted him high. And Jameis Winston couldn't unlock any of his abilities that he showed in that one game that got a number six pick in the draft in college at Alabama. But if there's anybody that could unlock the potential of O.J. Howard, a guy in terms of Tom Brady who's worked with another talented, big, strong, athletic tight end for years, it's going to be TB. So the only downside I see to this potentially is whenever you got a team that hasn't been there and you go to an organization that this this iteration of the organization hasn't been there when i say been there i mean super bowl contending national tv high profile whenever you go to those organizations sometimes they just don't know how to manage it and handle it some organizations handle it great i for example like the warriors the warriors never been there in any circumstances that spotlight that uh that attention that uh need to be great all the time and They've handled it great. Cavs when they got LeBron. Cavs when they got LeBron the they, second time. Well enough. <laughs> yeah, they won a championship. They handled it, they handled it well. You know, I know it didn't all wasn't perfect, but they handled it well. Um, some organizations they they just they don't the Browns. You know, one easy obvious example yeah. like does didn't handle it well. Like so that's the only the only trepidation I have with the Bucks in terms of the Eagles when they terrible. had the the dream team. Right, another good one. Um, when you when you put a, a team together, and it's supposed to be this, these big expectations, everyone saying you're gonna win a Super Bowl. I even think about like the Nick Saban Dolphins, like you know, like like we put these sort of yeah. quote unquote dream teams together, or or big expectations are heaped on a team because of a coaching change or an acquisition. There's a lot of attention and a lot of demand for excellence that comes with that. Um, the Miami Heat also are a great example with the Heatles. Like if if you're not able to handle that. It, it, things can go south very quickly. So we're going to learn, hey, you know, what are Chris Godwin and Mike Evans made of in terms of playing big games that matter? You know, like, what are these guys, uh, you know, what is, you know, Bruce Arians, you know, he's, we know, we think he's a high-level coach. He's, he's been a, a very good coach in this league. But we're going to learn more about him. Yeah, he's respected mine. Yeah, you know, yeah. We, he's won a Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator. So it's not like he's never been in, in any situation. He's been in the playoffs. As but, you know, I, I've already said I think that that's a very – Important thing that you people have. sometimes overlook. Yeah, you know, I think I mentioned it with uh, I was with Shanahan. You know, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan had been there as an OC, didn't didn't help them that much because they ended up losing. But they came ready to play again. Yeah, but um, no, Shaquille, I think that Shaquille Barrett, you had nineteen, overlook. you had nineteen and a half sacks. You no, know, you no, know, uh, Warren Sapp saying you're the you're the next one, even before this whole Tom Brady stuff, yeah. and and you you get you got a big payday. All right, what are you now? Now everybody's watching you. Everybody's saying, hey, you've seen this kid, Barrett? This guy's a monster. Nobody's watched him because nobody was watching the Buccaneers. 
I'm not saying these guys can't live up to that. I'm not saying the organization as a whole, and I'm talking about the front office, the PR team, everybody in the in the building. And you, Kendall, been being with an organization or have been with an organization, know what I'm talking about. If you're not ready for that prime time, it's going to show. It doesn't matter if Tom Brady comes into the building. If all those guys are ready to rise up to the occasion, all those, and, and that men and women, because, again, that includes everybody in the building, if they're able to rise up to that occasion, this is a team that's absolutely a playoff team, absolutely a, a contender. If they cannot, um, then I don't, I'm not going to say that this team is guaranteed the playoffs at all. The NFC is not an easy conference. But, yeah, this – this is a serious threat in the NFC, no question in my mind. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're a playoff team next year. Um, and I don't think Tom Brady, and this is going to sound crazier before I explain it, I don't think Tom Brady is that much better than Winston is. Like, that sounds I don't crazy. Know if yes, you're right, that does sound crazy. It does sound crazy. Like, so you got to explain, so you gotta explain from yourself. From an ability perspective, I don't think he's that much better. But what I think, what I think, this, this makes them that much better of a team is Tom Brady, the type of player that will make everyone, like you mentioned, in the building better, everybody on the team better, everybody in the building on the team more mature. Like this is now going to be a maturely ran franchise, maturely led franchise. That's just something they they haven't been. James Winston. It's no, I, I like James Winston as a talent. I think whatever team gets him, if they buy low, could have could end up uh, really winning big with James Winston. But for what for where that franchise was, if they were really trying to compete, that wasn't going to happen with James Winston. I think Bruce Arians, we saw with a lot of his comments, clearly had no respect for James Winston as a as a as a leader. I mean, you know, and James I, didn't exactly earn it with anything he's done since he and, put on a Buccaneers uniform. Right, exactly. Yeah, he hasn't earned it. And some of it, I think a lot of those comments, a lot of that is also based on stuff we just haven't seen. Stuff off the field. Because if, if, because we've seen coaches go to bat. Right. We've seen coaches go to bat for players that we look at as knuckleheads. Or we look at and say, this guy, why does this coach love him so much? But he'll say, like, yeah, you know, you guys don't see the work this guy puts in. That blah, 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 blah. Just like, and I'm not just saying like James Gruden, is Gruden, a hard worker. Gruden with, uh, with uh, AB is a great example. Yeah, Gruden with AB. You know, like, uh, even, you know, Mike Mayock going to bat for, uh, you know, Derek Carr. And, you know, I think about, like, Travis Ford, you know, when he was coaching at Oklahoma State, he, you know, he would go to bat for Marcus Smart. You know, who people thought was a knucklehead. Like, there are guys that are knuckleheads, and there are guys that, when a coach is that publicly negative about a guy, that, send, that sends a message that I think the guy just didn't like him as a uh, leader. You know, I don't think he doesn't like him as a person. That's going too far. But just in terms of, for that football team, I don't think it was the right fit. The culture now with Tom Brady is going to be a culture of winning, a culture of star, star power, a culture of excellence that I think will reverberate around the rest of the team. You mentioned, you know, Shaquille Barrett, Levante David, Devin White. Like that, that defense now is going to be more, uh, going to be going to. It should be better than it was. Not only because of Brady's presence, but also less turnovers. I would imagine. So now the field position is going to be. A little <laughs> uh, different. You don't got to imagine. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't get worse than thirty so, for thirty. So I, I feel like. Now that defense will be much improved, better field position, because they're half pieces. So 
it's funny. We, we we talk about the weapons. There have been a lot of graphics uh, that showing all the weapons that Brady's gonna have, and <laughs> a lot of them have included Ronald Jones in the backfield. And people, a lot of Buck fans, are like, why are we putting Ronald Jones on the on the on the graphic? <laughs> like, what what has he done? But it kind of reminds me when like LeBron went back to uh, Cleveland, like people were putting Deion Waiters. Like, oh yeah, LeBron, like, Kyrie loved Deion Waiters and LeBron. I was like, what? But um, but yeah, no, I mean they're 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 gonna have plenty of talent. Uh, you know, I think Bruce Arians is a respected name and a respected uh, figure in the NFL in terms of the coaching ranks. Uh, and not only Bruce Arians, but Tom Moore, uh, former Colts OC, yeah. is is on that staff as a as a consultant. You know, and that's somebody I think Brady obviously certainly respects. So uh, this should be very fun. You know, I, it's it's strange how like in the matter in a matter of like you know, days, Tampa Bay is now is all suddenly like guys want to go there. Like it's very LeBron esque. Yeah. You know, like guys want to go to Tampa Bay. Like they're kind of a big market now. Like they have the Super Bowl next year. They were supposed to have WrestleMania. Like clearly there's something going on in Tampa Bay where they're trying to push that city and push that brand. Look man, um, warm weather, no state taxes. You yeah. know, it's it's Florida, those Florida city, cities, those Texas yeah. cities, like they're always gonna be untapped. Des- they're gonna be destinations if if there's a right. reason to be there besides those it, it reasons. And now you add Tom Brady, he's like, oh, yep, that's it. that's all I need to hear. You know, and that's why you got these guys. Yeah. Uh, now I, the I think there have been a narrative that that Brady part of the reason Brady signed there was because the Super Bowls there. I, I don't think that that was much of a consideration. Um, I think once you whittle it down, I mean. Personally, I think the Chargers could have made sense, but um, I I think this was more of a football move, which I respect Brady for. You know, does anyone I think, think that was, is there any is there any chance? Because a lot of people were really looking at the Chargers and the Titans, which I, I thought made, made no sense. And I was one hundred percent right yeah. about that. They it wasn't even close with the Chargers unless they went to the Titans. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I meant in terms of like where he was gonna go. Like I, I thought, it made no sense for him to go there, and it turns out he was thinking he's right, right. thing. But to me, is there any chance that Brady saw the ownership of these two teams and said, "I don't want anything to do with Dean Spanos"? Is there any chance? We know that he had a very close relationship with Robert Kraft. In fact, both of them acknowledged that in their statements when they parted ways. And Dean Spanos, I'm not saying he's Donald Sterling at all, or even a Jim Dolan, but ownership's questionable. I think that's fair to say. I think that he sometimes has moved in ways that has frustrated a lot of people in terms of how he got to L.A., how he left San Diego. Um, I mean, Eli Manning, you know, put his entire, and the Manning family put their entire reputation on the line to never have to work for him. Like, yeah. I'm not saying he's not, again, he's not doling or sterling in that regard in terms of how bad he is. The Chargers have had great teams, great players. But I wonder if that came into play a little bit with the Chargers in the in the, in the Bucs. Because you would think that Brady would love the idea of, of that, like, Hollywood, Los Angeles um, market. I know the Chargers are the number two team in town, uh, clearly. But you would think that the, the, the fight for L.A. is so young. That like Brady could very much shift the tide very quickly. Um. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that 
ownership certainly played a role. And the Glazer uh, family, like that, the, and the Glazer talking, family for the Bucks is is way more respected. Yeah, they're more respected. Um, if we're talking about, uh, you know, a tail of the tape and checking off boxes like ownership, clear, clear, clearly goes to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, warm weather, the same. Uh, I think if we're talking off the field business, that obviously goes to LA, but almost everything on the field goes to Tampa, in my opinion. Uh, easier chance to go to Super Bowl goes to Tampa, mm-hmm. uh, closer to you know the Northeast, which is I assume very where important. his family is now. Yeah, I've heard you that know, that's very important. Close, you know, so like a lot of this stuff is it still checks off to Tampa Bay, um, which makes sense. It, it, it's just, I mean, they're going to be a premier franchise. They're going to be on America's Game of the Week. Like, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how just the the, the team, they're changing up their uniforms. Um, well, thank God, those uniforms are terrible. They're now going, yeah, they're going back to essentially, they haven't officially released them. They're going to look very similar, similar to the Warren Sapp era jerseys, you know, the Derrick Brooks era. So, um, it's it's going to it's going to be interesting to see, but plenty of things have happened so far in free agency beyond Brady. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that the only last thing I want to mention though is where does New England go? I mean, I've seen some Patriots fans. You know, <laughs> it's funny I was listening to Bill Simmons, obviously Boston sports fan. He was talking about how they can't bring in Andy Dalton because that would be just an extra gut punch. Like you get Brady, and then it's like, oh man, talk about kicking the pants, like. You know, you get away with Andy Dalton. You know, he's like, you might as well just go with Stidham or, you know, bring Jacoby Brissett back. But, yeah, I don't know where. Honestly, if I were them, I would tank. I would do the Golden State Warriors thing and say, we're just going to build the season off. I don't think tanking is in Bill Belichick's DNA. Uh, we say that, but. I mean, I know, his, ass- smarter. I know, I know his assistant kind of just did it. Like his top assistant from last year, yeah. But and he's just that dude's a smart guy. I mean, you, I, know. I mean, if we're talking about he can, I think the six years left. How, I mean, how many years? Get Lawrence, get Fields, five or six. Okay, coaching five or six. I get years? Lawrence, get Fields. Yeah, mm. coaching. You know, in the organization, whatever. Okay. If he wants to, but like if he if he really wants to be in football for the next five or six years with the Patriots. I say tank, get one or two quarterbacks for next year, Fields or Lawrence, and then run it back. You have all. I mean, you might as well. This is a lost season, almost regardless. There's a guy which we'll talk about. He's the only guy to me that you could, and maybe Jameis. I like Jameis, but those are the only two guys that you could conceivably make the playoffs with next year. I'm not counting Bill Belichick out with anything. I'm not going to say that it's likely they'll make the playoffs still. Uh, you know, I, I would like to have seen Teddy Bridgewater in that spot. You know, obviously he's not going to be there going to Carolina, but to me, he he would have made. I think with Teddy Bridgewater, they would have made the playoffs next year. Um, I'm not sure. I, I know people are throwing out dirt on Andy Dalton's <laughs> grave, and maybe it's rightfully so. But if there is any coach that can kind of get some of the uh good Andy Dalton that we've seen in his career with you know maybe a better system around him it would be Belichick so I I, I don't know I, I think that you know I, I'm not sure if it really honestly matters who this quarterback is for next year unless it's Stidham if it's Stidham then I think we should all watch very closely because we got to see all right you know Belichick draft this guy he, he clearly thinks somewhat highly of him 
the the staff apparently really likes him and thinks he's he's developed very well in their system. So if he he plays and we is very we need to pay very close attention to what happens in New England this year. Um, if it's some stopgap guy, I mean I don't know if it really matters all that much because he'll be just a bridge to whoever the next guy is because Belichick will absolutely pick his future um, his future you know guy moving forward. Because I, I agree, I don't think he's done coaching. I think he's going to be coaching still for a little while. Um, let's get to some of the other big news uh, and, and some more quarterback news a little bit later. But first. Uh, and a shocker from earlier this week, the t- Houston Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson. Texas will also be sending a fourth-round pick to Arizona, while the Cards will be giving Houston a second-round pick in this year's draft and a fourth-round pick for next year's draft. So to total that for everybody and, and, and get all the numbers straight away, Hopkins, one of the top three or four receivers in the NFL, was traded to the Cardinals for an aging running back who has injury issues and um, a second-round pick. They're also swapping fourth-round picks, basically. So, Kendall, what the hell is going on in Houston? I don't know. What, I can't explain it. We got conversations about guys' baby mamas and Aaron Hernandez. Like, Bill O'Brien is... Yeah, you got to explain that situation. Okay. Man. What happened with Bill O'Brien? So, so after that trade, I mean, that's a cold open for you. Um, so after that trade happened, we started to figure out, okay, what went down? We started to get reporting, okay, Bill O'Brien and Hop didn't have a good relationship. Right. Not right. surprising. Which is obvious. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. obvious even when you watch the games. Like it's, not, like, it's very, like, the most unsurprising thing ever was that O'Brien and Hopkins didn't get along. And probably the most explosive reporting we've had. We've heard other things, you know, Hop wanted more money, um, and, you know, Bill Ryan didn't like the way, you know, Nuke was kind of running, you know, his influence. In the, Bill O'Brien. In yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. O'Brien didn't like the uh, <laughs> uh, Nuke's uh, uh, influence in the, in, the, in the organization. And but the most bizarre and controversial aspect of this falling apart was reported by a shout out to Scoop Irvin from the U. Michael Irvin with the big scoop. Now, I'm trying to figure out why he gave the scoop to ESPN and not NFL Network. Is there something I'm missing with his contract like if i'm nfl network i'm giving him a call immediately like why are you giving up the goods on the rival network but that's probably another story for another day but he went on espn's get up and he was asked you know what happened because you're apparently the only person who's really spoken to deandre hopkins on the record since this went down and hopkins said to michael irvin according to irvin that at this nego- this relationship with him and o'brien pretty much went down uh went south completely after they had a meeting where O'Brien was was said that he was concerned about Hopkins' influence in the locker room, and that the last conversation he had to have with a player like this was with Aaron Hernandez, <laughs> which to me is just still. I heard this story from Irvin like six times. I had to keep playing it because the video is still stunning to me, and I still can't believe that that came out of this man's mouth. But as crazy as that sounds, it gets worse after that. So he starts the meeting by saying, yo, fam, last time I had these vibes, it was Aaron Hernandez. So already, obviously, very bad note. As Hopkins apparently pointed out to Michael Irvin, as, as I know to be true so far, I've never heard of anything about DeAndre Hopkins getting any legal trouble in any way or him being a problematic person in the community in any way. I'm even thinking back to college. I, I've never heard anything about DeAndre Hopkins being a problem. So that was obviously very at the very minimum, 
to go to that length. He continues. Apparently, later on in this conversation, one of the other issues O'Brien had would be uh, with uh, with DeAndre Hopkins. I was about to call him B Hop for Bernard Hopkins, but D Hop in this regard was that Hopkins has uh, has children with various different women. I don't know how many, um, but he has children with different women, and apparently that was uh, concerning to uh, O'Brien. And he said that he was tired of seeing. Hopkins' baby mamas around the organization. So that's the part where I think it gets even more crazy problematic with this situation. As of today, I haven't seen any more statements of clarification or anything from uh, Bill O'Brien. Obviously, I think the Texans and O'Brien are just, you know, they're using the excuse of coronavirus to just not do or say anything. You know, they haven't really any media availabilities for a lot of these scenes, but it's very convenient for them that this is the case. Uh, so that's the deal with this Hopkins trade. I mean, I could I could go off on it. I mean, I'm not going to go off, off, but, I, I mean, I, I said this to you off air, and I say it again. I mean, to me, I mean, Bill O'Brien is unfit to be running an NFL team. And it goes even beyond that conversation, but that conversation is obviously absurd. And... It's crazy because, like, the way the conversation went, and this, man, this comes down from me being, man, a young black man in this society. Like, the way this con- that conversation went down and, like, the way it was described, I feel like any young black person who has worked in any mixed place or white space, and not worked, even just, like, been in a team or been part of any organization, like... Like the like, like if, if Bill O'Brien said, it's very believable to think that what Bill O'Brien said was what exactly what he said because you've dealt with that exact kind of person, like that exact kind of person who tries to talk you through why you're problematic and who he can compare you to, who's clearly nowhere near your level of threat to make it clear that you're a problem. I, I mean, I don't know, Kendall, you can speak to it either. But to me, like, I heard this conversation. I was like, oh, man, I this happened because I've dealt with that kind of person before. Exactly that kind of person. And even if I haven't dealt with them, I've seen my friends or people I know deal with them and seen these interactions happen in front of my face, you know. So it was very visceral to hear this conversation, this meeting happen the way it did. And so that's already very problematic. I, I have very much concerns that... Bill Ryan shouldn't really be leading a locker room of majority black men. That's I'm just going to be 100 about that already. But, okay, let's put that to the side. Let's say it was exaggerated, or let's say it's not as big a deal as I'm making it. Fine, because that's just my opinion. Bill O'Brien thought that a second-round pick and an aging running back was good value for a unarguable top-five receiver in the NFL. Is there any argument, Kendall, that DeAndre Hopkins is a top five receiver? No, there's no argument. Is there even an argument that he's top three? Uh, that he's not I top mean, three. I would rather? say so, but you're asking is he is, is it an argument? Uh, I mean, I'm running. I was, I'm running you his numbers. I'm personally, I'm personally, I'm happy. Three straight years, he's had at least 1,100 yards. Three straight years, he's had at least. 96 catches. In two of those seasons, he had over 100 catches. Um, in each of those years, he's had seven touchdowns, at least. 
Um, he had 13 in 2017, tw- uh, 11 in 2018. He also missed a game last year. So you're talking about his numbers being a little bit down in terms of receiving yards and touchdowns. He didn't play a game. And with him, that could mean losing two touchdowns or three touchdowns. That's how good he is. To me, Bill O'Brien's unfit to run an NFL team because you think that that's good value after all the recent uh, NFL trades we've seen, including just with your boy who you mentioned at the top of the show, Stephon Diggs, who was traded to Buffalo, and the Buffalo Bills gave up a first-round pick to get oh, yeah, Stephon Vikings Diggs. I mean, look. She got multiple picks. And you know, I actually really like Stephon Diggs. I think he's really good. Um, he's, he's nice, yeah. Yeah, he's really good. There's no disrespect at all. He's not in the same. He's not, he's not in the same arena or yeah. category or just sport as DeAndre Hopkins as a wide receiver. And yeah. I, this is coming from someone who thinks that Stephon Diggs is damn good. I'm, it's not a diss to him, but that's how good DeAndre Hopkins is. And somehow the Vikings, after that happened, which is also mind-boggling to me, the Vikings were able to get a first, a fifth, a sixth. And a fourth for Stephon Diggs. I'm gonna give you back what the uh, the Texans got for Hopkins, David Johnson, who I don't know if he's played more than six games in the last two seasons. Like, I mean, I mean that I, I literally might be <laughs> he probably has, but I, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I couldn't uh, tell you if that's true. Okay, but, so I'm, I'm lying. He hasn't been in. He, he played 13 games last year. He did play 16. <laughs> that's Yo, but fam, that guy's just, on the yo, that, like, fam, that guy's on the injury. He's on the injury report every week. I mean, how am I supposed to assume? And I ain't watching oh, yeah, the Cardinals. Yeah. How am I supposed to assume he's actually playing in those games? I, I've been so, du- so David I, I've been having touched him in fan football for years. So Dave Johnson is the perfect example of the EJ theory of you're in your prime. Don't in pay the, running back. Yeah, you're in your prime in year yeah. one or two. Which in this case, you're not. He, yeah. he was an All Pro in 2016. Where he had 1,200 yards. And caught 80 balls. I mean, stud player in 2016. I'm going to give you his 2019 numbers after playing just 13 games in an injury-riddled season. Uh, 35 yard, 345 yards on a 3.7 yards per carry, 36 catches, and 370 yards. Now, I, we all understand that the Arizona Cardinals were, in many ways, a dumpster fire in terms of protecting the quarterback and run blocking. So, he deserves at least that. We should think about that when we talk about him but he's uh 28 years old he's going to be 29 by the time he starts playing next year i believe or at least it will be the end of the season he'll be 29 like he it by all accounts you're talking about a guy on the downswing wide receivers in the nfl you're 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 good for a while like you know you're not on like you know johnny hawkins is 27 he has he's at got least, a good three he's got at least at least two great more years in him. At least. Like, and you can argue three. And he probably has four or five good years in him. He might not be DeAndre Hopkins now four years now, but he could still be a thousand yard receiver. Or at least a number the, the, really good number two. And you gave up a second round you only got a second round pick funny. for him. I, it yeah, doesn't Bill yeah, O'Brien should not be running an NFL team. This is malpractice on a level that's offensive. Quite frankly, and not even talking about the, the you know what he said about the baby mamas. I'm just talking about just pure football. I mean, Houston fans are furious with him, and I get it. This is like yo, it, like someone said on Twitter, if if the fan, if a fantasy if you're if in your fantasy league, someone decided to say yo, we traded DeAndre Hopkins for 
David Johnson. Everyone's vetoing that trade, and those dudes are going to be banned from your fantasy league. Because you're like, yo, fam, y'all clearly doing some finagling. Like, that's clearly not a good trade. Like, what are you doing? How, how, how in the actual NFL, that trade was allowed to happen? I don't get it. Yeah, that's one of the trades family on, on somebody tried it. Their family just on sleep. They sleeping? Are they just? Are they in quarantine? They don't got no phone. They like they just Bill Ryan just doing moves. They don't even know what's going on. I'm confused. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to um, to start. First of all, you mentioned Hopkins' numbers in 2017, and you know we also can't forget that ten of those games, uh, Tom Savage and T.J. Yates are the starter, but. <laughs> We won't uh, we won't mention that, but um, yeah, I mean, look the 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 Aaron Hernandez comments. Once you invoke Aaron Hernandez's name, like you're really probably pushing it, and you're you're <laughs> you're, you're playing a dangerous you, game. You, you, you're going you too know, far. You're, yeah, you're playing a dangerous game. For yo, if Brian. someone's if, yo if if, um, if John Gruden brought AB into his locker room, he said, "You're giving me Aaron Hernandez vibes." I'd be like, man, that would have been. I mean, Avery's been, been, so been bugging, but I'm like, man, that's a little far. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't be this offended because Av was bugging. But right, I'd be like, people were saying that. Too, but, I, yeah. but I'd be like, man, I don't know if as a, as a coach, like you should be really invoking someone like that, especially someone who clearly has some kind of mental health issue. Right. Like, you work for the league. Like, there's certain things you can't say. Yeah. Um, like, I would say that's probably not the best thing to say in this scenario, and probably a little dramatic, even though this is clearly bad. Yeah. Charles Hawkins has no no issues, fam. None. Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know what his deal is. Um, it, it's it, it's strange. Uh, you know, I I guess for me, it, when we talk about the trade, strictly football, I would say that it's a little bit. It's, it reminds me of the poor Zingas situation. Chris asked poor Zingas. Um you know, how the Knicks didn't get probably great value for Chris Porzingis. Um And I'll say probably, I would say they didn't get great value for Chris Porzingis. But it just like, I don't think the, the Texans got great value for uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Devil's Advocate, though, is like, what if all this stuff comes out? And it becomes more and more clear the Texans have to trade him. Like, does his value if, like if you start shipping him around the league? When you say comes like, out, what what comes maybe out? Maybe he just. When we say comes out, what do you mean? Just all. I Are guess you, just the, the the unrest and the, you know, the obvious strife between Hopkins and Washington. Hopkins. See, I think I think I think even though you like, even though you invoked it, the even though you invoked the, um, the Knicks. I think that you're still making the same Knicks mistake, which is you can't be af- afraid of a public fight with your star player. Now, I, now in hindsight, with well, the Knicks, yeah. I went, wait, wait, let me just finish. When, in hindsight with the Knicks, I will say, after what we've seen, how their PR has handled a lot of things, maybe I get why they didn't want their PR involved with like handling a public fight with their star player. But forget about the Knicks. Let's say the Texans have a normal communication staff, normal front office. Which again, they don't right now. But at least Bill Bryan thinks that they're they're normal. He's not. He's not. I don't, he shouldn't be afraid of that fight. Like to me, like well, Hop, Hop what turn, he said. Hop, no, no. Well, look, like if Hop no holds out, now okay, you got to put him on the market potentially, and 
that's cool to me. I, I don't I, like to me if you really want him gone, that's fine because this now everybody knows the situation. And now we can shop him, and now you get again a bidding war amongst teams. Like that's like I just feel like this thing. Now, of, oh, let's, what, get a, let's, get of, let's get ahead. Let's get ahead of the uh, situation by like I know like the idea of like oh we don't want to kill a guy's value. Like I that's not nothing. I I get that. But I think hey, it's not it's not something that's blanket though. Like I think it's it's a case by case right. basis. The other, the, the other side of it is that just like with Porzingis, you know, like I always say, you know, well, yes, I, that's the devil's advocate. You know, if you trade the guy, and then he's on the market, and then teams know he's on the market, and now you know it's a public thing, and now it's like, well, who's gonna be like how much? What team's giving up a first round pick for a guy but, that you know, you have to trade anyway? But the other side of it is well. Well, I think that only works when you're talking about players that aren't great. Players that don't, like, that not every team in the league would want. But when you're talking about someone like Chris Tassel-Provingas, and even more to the level, even beyond that, DeAndre Hopkins. Exactly. It doesn't matter what happened in, in Houston. Teams won't care. Exactly. Like, once... One team offers the first round pick, then the next team will, then the next team will, and then eventually, like you said, you have the bidding war that will result in you still ending up with assets. Um, ultimately, I just like the Lakers ultimately did with Anthony Davis, and then with uh, a Hall, but um, or the Pelicans, I should say, uh, with Anthony Davis. But um, look, I think Houston did they mess up? Probably. I don't think they should have traded Hopkins in the first place. Um, I think, I mean, they could have signed Todd Gurley, who's now a free agent, and gotten someone who's better than David Johnson, just as injury prone, but better. And Jeff Hopkins, and then you would have had a nice little big three in the backfield uh, in Houston. Uh, and yeah, why, but that's a lot of people that first were excited. Like, oh, man, David, Hop- David Johnson, okay, you know, you, gave, got a, you had to give him a fourth, but... You know, maybe a high, you know, high risk, but you know, this guy, if he's healthy, maybe he gets you something for a year. And this is a Houston team that's, you know, close. I mean, Houston just took like five steps back. Who thinks that they can compete for a championship now? No one. Yeah, they yeah. weren't that far. They weren't that far off. Like we were talking about them amongst the teams besides the Chiefs to get that can get to the Super Bowl, especially now that Tom Brady's out of the conference. Yeah, Hopkins had the best chance of any elite receiver in the league to make it to a Super Bowl. And now I think he, he may argue he still does. Which and this, this, and this makes even less sense to me, Kendall, when you consider the, the health issues with uh, with Fuller. Like, yeah. he, he can never stay healthy. So I mean, they have a whole team now full of guys. I mean, Watson's injury-prone, David Johnson's injury-prone, Fuller's injury-prone. It's it, – I don't know. I mean, the other side of it is, look, Arizona looks really exciting. I mean, what do you do now at – what they have the ace pick in the draft. What do you do yeah. at eight? Do you say to yourself, "All right, now we have to shore up the O line, protect Kyler Murray," uh, or look, what happened to CD Lamb's available, or Henry Ruggs, or Jerry Judy? One of those three guys are going to be available. Do you say, "Screw it, we're just going to draft one of them, pair him with D Hop and Larry Fitzgerald"? Now you have mm-hmm. the most explosive set of weapons in the NFC when you include Kenyon Drake as well. Now, I don't know who's blocking. You have hmm. to figure that out. You don't have a second-round pick. But um, 
uh, well, Cliff, Cliff, with, with, uh, Cliff Kingsbury calling the play, that they, Arizona is going to be a real threat in the NFC West. And teams can't overlook, even though the other three teams are really good. Yeah, I gotta see what they do with the line still, but um, but I mean, even signing Devin Kennard, I thought it was a, a really good move. I was surprised that Detroit let him go. Like, so defense that also has some issues, maybe got shored up as well. I mean. I mean, the Cardinals have had themselves an offseason. There's no question about that. And, again, I always tell you, when you're, you have a young quarterback, any move that's done to help that young quarterback's life is a great move. It's, it's, I, it, can't, it, can't be def, it can't be argued. At least the effort. Now, maybe the, if the move doesn't work out, if the guy's not good, or he doesn't get along with the quarterback, or doesn't get along with the coach, I mean, that's another thing. But the effort, you, cannot, you can't knock it, ever. Because it's like... At the end of the day, the Cardinals organization and how they'll be for the next five to ten years we make, will make or break depending on Kyle, Kyler Murray's well-being. And if you give him a top five receiver, no doubt, we're saying on this show, that's a great move. I, I really don't care what you did to get him. And this will be you gave up an Asian running back who wasn't working well in your system anyway and a fourth and a second-round pick? I mean, that second-round I mean, second pick – I mean, Hopkins was a like a fourth round pick, so I'm not. It, I mean, maybe he's DeAndre Hopkins, but those guys don't grow on trees. <laughs> so for the Texans, I, I hope y'all know what y'all doing. But to me, I told you off air too. I I don't think that I'm not sure if Bill O'Brien can continue. It's a very difficult time because you got the draft. Because yeah, there's no free agency. You, you can't do anything in, in this climate. And I'm telling you, as, as soon as as soon as that draft was over, I tell Bill O'Brien, pack your bags, you're gone. Interim, the assistant GM, whoever the assistant GM is, you're the general manager now, and the, I'm just promoting the OCU to DC. But I don't think he can survive this. I think that the city of Houston, they're so frustrated right now. I mean, I, I can't think of a, court, a coach who's had, who went to the, took a team to the playoffs the previous year that has a lower probably approval rating amongst his own fans than Bill O'Brien. He may be the most hated coach in the NFL, and I think at a certain point, especially if things don't go well. That, that thing's going to turn south really quickly. He may end up losing his job anyway. I would just get it over with now. They ain't win. They never win a Super Bowl with Bill O'Brien. Never. So what are we, what are we waiting for? Oh, it's, unco- <laughs> it's uncomfortable that maybe guys got to change roles in a weird time. It, it, it's over. <laughs> like it's, it's done. He sealed his own fate. Why are we wasting any more time? They should have moved on from him. And I think every day he's still there. Uh, well, again, I would, give him, I would let him do the draft. Because maybe at this point you're like, yo, the draft can get too much preparation. Just let him do it. That's fine. Let him do it. After that, I I, I just I cut bait. Uh, let's get to another um, high profile player who is uh, going to be changing teams. Cam Newton. His timing with the Carolina Panthers is over. The team announced it was giving the franchise QB permission to seek a trade. That has not gone well so far uh, because that's proved very difficult considering uh, the lack of medical information the teams can get while he seeks a trade. So. Uh, He's probably going to be cut in the coming days. The former NFL MVP is unhappy uh, with the whole situation and was very unhappy with the Cam, uh, with the Carolina Panthers announcement in which he, he kind of wrote this weird hieroglyphics thing. I don't know. That was really weird. But he, he wrote he commented on the, Cardinal, the Carolina Panthers social media post saying that Cam Newton is on his way out. And we These teams him. are getting more and more brazen with the state media, by the way. I love it, by the way. We, we talked about it with yeah. the Falcons, with, with, with Vic, Vic Beasley. Beasley yeah. Uh, Chris Long actually he was calling the Patriots 
um, for essentially, you know, saying their state media was talking about how, you know, Tom Brady chose to leave. He's like, that's a lie. You know, clearly they didn't want him that. He's like, but on state media, they're like, oh, well, Brady, <laughs> Brady, uh, it sucks that he wanted to leave. It's a shame, but, you know. Yeah, I don't know why teams, I don't know why teams don't do this. Like, to me, like, I think it's, I mean, I don't know if it's great for the players, but to me, I don't know why these teams, I guess the reason why they don't do it is because they don't want to look like the Knicks. Like, that's got to be why. But I think right. as long as you're smart about it, like, I, I, I to me, like, I, I, I don't know how anyone else thought. I thought that Cam ended up looking kind of crazy. In this whole deal, well, Greg, I, what helped him is that Greg Olson also then backed it up. And he said, had his oh, back. doesn't this sound familiar? Right, he, he had his he back. had the same issue, and I don't know. I still feel, and you know, I love Greg Olson. He's a Kane and a Jersey kid, uh, so I have a lot of affinity for Greg Olson. Highly respected guy in the NFL, but I don't. I mean, that didn't do anything for me. I think you put a hieroglyphics message underneath. The team's account, you look like it looks like something you I should be seeing on MySpace or Facebook. It's not something I should be seeing on from a, a NFL quarterback. And um and speaking in code, you no know, stop with the wordplay. Like what's he like, I don't know. He just looked crazy to me. And he didn't have to. I feel like um because <laughs> so, I feel like that because it's me, my thing is if the Carolina Panthers disrespected you in some way, I can understand it. But like, I don't know. Like if they didn't disrespect you, they just said, yo, Cam Newton, we can tell him to seek a trade. Like, that's it. They didn't say anything else. They didn't add anything to it. They didn't say we didn't want him gone or whatever. Like, uh, I, know, I don't know if they had any extended statement saying we wish you, you know, wish him well or whatever. I don't think they had anything like that. But, like, I thought it was fairly respectful and fairly, like, benign. And he, like, went – I don't think he went crazy because, again, it was kind of hard to understand what he was even saying. But, again, that's why I say I don't think he went crazy. I think he just looked kind of crazy. It was just like, what is this? And, like – he almost would have been better off like doing it on his own post. Like if he would have just done it on his own Instagram, maybe I wouldn't have felt as bad. But it's like you commenting it on your team that you're leaving post, like in hieroglyphics. Like what's going on? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I don't feel like the Panthers handled this poorly. I think that Cam something happened. This is like this is. I know I don't want to spend so much time on this because we're running out of time today. But like this thing is so fascinating because. You know, I watched that interview that Cam did with uh, Brandon Tierney and Tiki Barber. Shout out to both of them. Uh, it might have actually just been Brandon. I'm not sure. But it was on that show. And he was at, it was during Super Bowl week. It was on the Radio Row in Miami. Cam was there. He looked good. Sounded good. And it just sounded like everything was, like, very, like, peachy keen, for lack of a better term. Was, oh, yeah, nah, I've talked to Rule. I talked to Brady. We really excited to get to work. I talked to the GM and organizations on the right. We're all on the same page. They you know I'm the quarterback moving forward, and they they're really excited to have me. And I was, I I, I it seems strange because this is how this should have played out, but neither side have been acting like this was going to be the result. Pretty much since the new regime came in, which was so weird. So I'm wondering what happened, like. Did they see something that made them say, yo, we cannot move on with this guy anymore? Or were they always just all being phony? Was Cam being phony when he did his media availability saying that, oh, it's all good? And maybe they were like, fam, we didn't tell him that. Why is he saying that he's going to be back? Yeah, I think that's the case. And I don't want to say that that because I don't want to make Cam look like or sound like he was lying because I don't I like Cam. I don't want to. I don't want to think that that's true. 
I, I think that that's the standard thing. But wouldn't sports, the standard thing know, be more like you to say, sir. I don't know. I feel like I feel like the standard would be, yeah, you know, I'm excited to get to work with the coaching staff. I've talked to them and you know, we'll see how things go. Like he just seems and maybe it's just Cam, because he's super positive. He's super like like the way he is, like he just can't help but always look at the bright side. So, uh, at least when things are good. When he's losing, that's another story. But like when like it's non competitive time, he's just a very positive person. Um he's kinda like that typical like high school jock. So he's always gonna kind of speak in motivation of quotes and things like that. So maybe just his nature, like that's how it's always gonna come across when he delivers it. But I feel like I've heard other guys who have their futures in question with a certain team and it being maybe a sensitive situation and how they talk about it. I see them talk about it a lot more sensitively, for lack of a better term, but a lot more a lot more carefully. Like Tom Brady, for example. Like I feel like he's been very careful with how he's talked about his future in football and with the Patriots. All last season, even after the season, we—I didn't get that from Cam. I'm not saying he was reckless, but he sounded like someone. Oh no, I'm gonna be back. It's gonna be all good, and the coaches staff loves me. And it's like that clearly isn't the case. Or again, maybe they did, and something happened. That's what I'm just asking the questions because this—I found this all very confusing. Uh, yeah, I—I I, I feel like it's—I feel like it was a deal where. Um... I, I think Cam was trying to do. I think Cam was just was just playing, was just covering his bases. You know, I think probably yeah, he was probably laid it on a little thick. But I mean, that happens. But I don't think that that Rule and Brady and you know David Tepper had any plans on really bringing him back if if they if they got it if they got their wish and. My issue is I don't know if personally from a football perspective, I don't know if Bridgewater is is, is a good fit. I understand uh and I love Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously he's Viking, but um I understand him and Joe Brady worked together in New Orleans, uh when Joe Brady was uh, you know, a low level offensive assistant, but and <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater was the backup. But I uh I don't know if I see like, I don't think he's going to bring out in, in, in Ted Bridgewater what he brought out in, in, in Joe Burrow. And maybe he feels like he can. Maybe he just feels like he can run the offense that they ran in New Orleans. He knows the system, and he's a stopgap. I just think he's more of a stopgap than he's the, the face of a franchise uh, or the, the future of a franchise even. But um, if I were Carolina, again, I would have done the New England thing. Maybe they will be bad regardless, but I would have tanked for Fields or Lawrence, especially since both guys are from the region. Um, I mean, I get that. I just feel like I, I, I don't mind that Teddy, Board, Teddy Bridgewater thing because I think sometimes even if you know you don't know how great the guy is going to be or if you're winning a Super Bowl next year or even going to the playoffs, sometimes just like bringing a guy who's a professional – who brings a level of excellence in terms of like his work ethic and how he trains and how he prepares. That's still important to set a foundation, especially if you're a young coach and a young, you know, coordinator. So I, I that's why I don't mind the Ted Bridgewater thing. I, I get what you're saying in regards to like the upside, but I just feel like I don't know if just throwing in some hot shot kid or just throwing in a guy who's not good and just realizing we're gonna stink, but like whatever, we're not even gonna try. I don't know if that sets a great culture. Um, and, and the NFL, as we see with, you know, 
more than maybe other sports. Like, yo, a 1 in 15 season, you might not survive that. Like, I don't care how, you know, hot shot a name well, you were coming out of college. This dude's got a seven-year contract. Like they like I, to I, me like they should take the Brad Stevens approach, man. I mean, like, I, I get that, Kendall, but Celtics weren't going out there and signing, you know, some mid level guy to try and keep them afloat. And it's easy to say that before you actually start losing them games. And the fans actually have to sit through watching your team play. And it, it like it's it's easy to say, Oh, just lose. We'll be fine. Like I got seven year contract, like uh, yeah. It's easy I mean, to say that now, going but, well. like but yeah, exactly. Cincinnati you know, it has and, Joe Burrow now. I know, but I'm just like. But like Zach my thing Taylor is maybe they would have had. But I mean, there are people who wanted Joe Burrow, but then wanted Zach Taylor out of there. Is my point. Like the patience the fans will have for even that Taylor, even that reset whenever that quarterback comes in is going to be still short. And they you, they sat through a terrible. If you're season. Mike Brown, if you're Mike Brown and you're 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 Zach Taylor, would you rather have had five wins, seven wins, and I don't know Andy Dalton or whoever? And or would you have rather had the season you had last year and end up with Joe Burrow? I think you take Joe Burrow every time. I think you do, Personally. but the problem with someone like Zach Taylor is okay. If, if the Burrow Burrow comes in this year, and let's say they have another rough year, they have, they win four games next year. Oh, I mean you're out. Well, that's the point. That's what I'm trying to say. Like like because you didn't establish any positivity within your organization or any culture at all. Now the infrastructure that person that player is coming into is fractured, and the fans don't have the confidence that you're able to fix that starter up because they saw you the year before and you won one game or two games. Like that's my point. I'm not saying they would have wanted to win six games this year. They would prefer to have Burrow. But if you're the coach, if you're your rule, you may figure like, look, I want to be able to set the kind of team I want. This is remember this is a guy that he hasn't. He, he coached at Baylor, and I'm not saying, you know, Baylor recently has been a better recruiting team than maybe when we were kids, but Baylor is not some superpower in the Big 12. Like, he's used to coaching guys who are underheralded, under-recruited. Like, he may not feel like he needs the number one guy to, to start off his coaching career. He may feel like, I give yeah. me Teddy Bridgewater in my system, and I get to, you know, draft a, a good young player in my draft. As If it's not a quarterback, then maybe it's another position. Next year, maybe I go after a quarterback. Maybe I trade up if I, if I feel like Teddy Bridgewater's not working out, or maybe I get a great running back who comes in. Well, not running back, you got McCaffrey, but, you know, I draft a great wide receiver who can go, who be opposite DJ Moore. Like, you know, well, maybe, McCaff- like, McCaffrey building a team is, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, maybe. You know, I hope not in two years, but maybe. Like, But my point being, like, no, seriously. Like, I mean, like, these last few years, I feel like McCaffrey would just wasted. Like, I, I mean, next year he's going to be great. And then the year after that, I mean, I think you may start to see a decline. So, which is also why maybe he's like, I don't know if I want a young kid out there. Like, if I'm going to do anything with McCaffrey, it's going to have to be now. So, I, I don't mind the Bridgewater signing. Um, I couldn't even tell you what a good spot for Cam would be, to be honest, because I don't know his medical. Like I think that that's all. That's really what it, it comes what's, down to. What's crazy? What's crazy about the spot situation now in terms of these quarterbacks is look, it's now New England uh, needs a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis uh, is off the board. Chargers potentially, but they may go Tyrod. Yeah. Indianapolis didn't they just get Rivers? Yeah, I say they're off the board. They got Rivers. Yeah, 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 they're off the board. Chicago just got Nick Foles and Trubisky. Yeah. Um. It, right now, it's 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 looking thin. I mean, it's the Chargers right now. I mean, Cincinnati's going to draft a quarterback, and you know the Chargers could draft a quarterback, and I mean, 
Colts could still draft a quarterback. Like there are teams that can still draft a quarterback, but yeah, I mean it's thin thin pick slim pickings right now. Uh the Dolphins are also on the board, but they seem to be a spot for Tua potentially. And you could still sign there with Tua, which would be interesting, but especially for Cam Newton. But um yeah, yeah, very, very it's, it's like three, four quarterbacks fighting for two spots right now. Yeah, so many facts. Well, a couple of you guys can be backup. Yeah. I mean, Mariota was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go there compete with Derek Carr. I think that was a good move for him, by the way. I think that that was uh, – I think, I think I, he'll be the starter. I kind of agree with you. Mike Mayock had him as his number one quarterback in 2018. Yeah. Yeah, I feel he, like – He said uh, his, his tape was – or his evaluation was he thought that uh, Mariota didn't get enough didn't get enough respect for what he had to do in that Oregon spread mm-hmm. and that uh, – that you know the guy just won football games. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I so, think that Mario clearly you liked him back then. I think he actually fits well in Gruden's system. I think that uh, um, short dropbacks, shorter throws. Um, I think that he could potentially be a great fit. I'm be honest. I thought that, like I was actually really excited yeah, yeah, when I saw that move. And a little bit I don't, of Michigan. Yeah, I don't hate uh, Carr personally. And I'm, you know, I'm not completely out on him. I think it'll be a fun competition to see what happens. And he may end up still winning the job and keeping it and playing well next year. I thought he played pretty well this year. But uh, I think Mariota has definitely may have an upside that's interesting. I think that's going to be a fun quarterback situation to pay attention to. Um, last story, Kendall, real quickly. Uh, Rich Pati- Rick Pitino, Slick Rick, is back in college basketball. He has uh, agreed to become the next head coach of Iona. So that's uh, in New Rochelle, uh, New York. Obviously, the disgraced former Louisville coach uh, was forced out of his last job uh, after the program was linked to multiple scandals, including a pay-to-play recruiting scheme that resulted in an FBI investigation and a scheme around paying prostitutes to host recruits and their families in Louisville and sometimes even on campus. So uh, Rick Pitino has for lack of a better term, a rap sheet that comes with him to Iona. I said on this show that I thought Rick Pitino would never coach Division One basketball again. I clearly was wrong. <laughs> and you were right. So, yeah. again, that's give you that spotlight because, again, at top show, I said that I was right about the one thing. So you were right about this. So credit where credit is due. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this. I Look, here's what I'll say. And people who are longtime listeners also know this. This is how I felt about Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino is an unbelievable Basketball coach. Let me be clear about that. I think I thought when he was at Louisville before he got fired that he was one of the best in-game coaches and like just kind of managing a season coaches in college basketball. I thought he was top five. So let me make that clear in terms of that how I feel about Rick Pitino as a basketball coach. Now the game clearly evolves. He hasn't coached in a couple of years, two three years. So maybe things have changed. I don't know. I have to kind of like. I got to see what he is now, uh, what he's like without, you know, better talent. But he's always been a guy who really hasn't had, you know, a bunch of, like, NBA one-and-done guys on his team. He's always been able to still compete for national championships at Louisville. Uh, that being said, I just don't think Rick Pitino is the kind of man I want around 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. I'm sorry. I think that that's uh, irresponsible. And for Iona to do this, I get it. It makes headlines. He'll certainly get some decent players to Iona, uh, especially in the New York area, the Connecticut area. So they're going to be probably a good team. But 
I just think like Rick Pitino with like nobody paying attention to him. I don't even want to begin to know what's going to be happening at Iona and what stuff he's going to be trying to get through. <laughs> like, yo, what? Look what he was doing at Louisville when everybody had all eyes on him. Like, what do you think he's going to do at Iona when nobody's paying attention? And then when we find out five years later, I I don't know. I, I hope it's worth it, man. I hope that that second round appearance one year when you upset somebody, because Rick Pitino does a hell of a job, and he's going to have his puff pieces made about him because he's a hell of a basketball coach. Again, there's no doubting that at all. And um, I mean, the puff pieces are already being written. Yeah, they're already being written now. They're being written today. He hasn't even won a game yet. And again, I don't doubt that he will win a lot of games because I think he's that good. I just, again, we're talking about kids. I think there's a certain, there's a certain character that you need around young men that are, again, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. That goes beyond just your, your how you know how to manage a team, X and O's wise, manage a team through a season, manage a team through a tournament. There's that other intangible. I'm not saying you got to be the best in the world at it, but you can't be Rick Pitino at it. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying you got to be, you know, uh, John Wooden, or, you know, who's amazing off the court, or Mike Krzyzewski, or, um, or Mike Mark Few even. We're talking about the guys currently, but... You can't you can't be what Rick Pitino has been to me and, and be around kids. He wanted to coach professional, wanted to coach national teams. I had no problem with that. I have a huge problem with him coaching Iona. But I don't wish any ill will on anybody. I hope it works out. I hope there's no trouble there. I hope everything goes okay. But I have I have grave concerns, I'll be honest. Um Yeah, I'm kinda I would say I'm opposite, but I guess for me, like I, I, any feelings I had towards Patino not coaching ever again were gone after seeing, if you've watched the last two years of college basketball, you're seeing Will Wade and Sean Miller and Bill Self all still coaching with really no, there still hasn't been any punishment to any of those three coaches, any of their programs, so uh, and maybe it will come, maybe we assume it will come, but I mean, with the NCAA, we never know Uh like, why can't Rick Pitino coach? Um, in terms of, like, the FBI thing, yeah, that's kind of irrelevant at this point. Um, I don't think it should be, and we'll talk about that in a second. But um, the, the NCAA has clearly, has clearly made its decision that they are not going to severely penalize these programs to an extent. And, again, there hasn't, it hasn't, it's not finished yet. The, uh, the final sanctions haven't been placed yet, so... That maybe that'll change, but I, they're not going to put some two-year show calls on Bill Self. Some, they're not going to put a five-year show call on Sean Miller. Like, if that was going to happen, then I feel like that would have happened by now. But, um, so if you're Iona, if Arizona can hire, can have Sean Miller as a coach, and else you can have Will Wade. I mean, these guys, yeah, they didn't have the prostitution scandal that Louisville had, but and you know, Rick Pitino obviously had some some personal life stuff earlier in his career, you know, at Louisville, but. Yeah, yeah, the yeah the sex scandal with yeah. himself. Forget about the prostitutes. <laughs> right, exactly. He had an extortion yeah, exactly. situation. So, yeah, like not great. But at the same time, all these guys, none of these guys are. I don't see none of them. But a lot of these guys aren't the best of guys anyway. And you know, I, I, like I don't think we'll. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't let you say that, Kendall. Like I'm not like look anybody. There's anybody who 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 you know. Hits these college, college coaches for hypocrisy and their misdeeds is me, but I can't say a lot of them are bad guys or like not great guys. I, like no, I didn't I say a lot of them. 
You did say a lot of them. You just well, said, I said a lot of them. I'm saying, but then you I don't know what that number them. is. But there are multiple. There's a there's a there are multiples of coaches. Okay, but I, but I I I think that while there, I don't are, know if it's the majority, but right. I'm just yeah. You said a lot initially. I'm just trying to say that like Rick Pitino is a different breed, fam. And based on his actions, not not I'm not making something, but I don't know him personally. But what he's been accused of, what he's admitted to, what's been factually brought out, he's a certain breed. And I can't I can't link him to say, well, college basketball is a wild, wild west. Like, yes, it is in some degree, but I don't know if other coaches are are in are getting extorted by women they have sex with that aren't their wives. I don't know. Hey, other look, co- I don't know other coaches that are paying having to go paying prostitutes to to hook up with his recruits and with the like. This my is a different is, level, fam. I think is, I think we got to be careful with how we phrase this. My thing is, look, that's great if you're an opposing, if you're a rival coach, you're a rival athletic director, and you want to yeah, use man, that. Yo, they, they should hire me as an assistant at Manhattan College, man. I'd be the perfect anti-Patino recruiting get that on, get guy. On yeah, let me like, get to the Lincoln High School, you know, <laughs> home visit and tell you why you shouldn't play for Rick Patino. I got all the I got all the, the receipts. I'll tell you what, EJ. We we can say we don't know what's gonna happen, but I can tell you, like Iona is gonna be the best team in the MA in the MAC. Of course, the MAA I agree. Next year, I agree. Like, there's gonna be grad transfers. He's gonna have guys there that we're gonna be. Like, why are, why is this guy playing at Iona? No. Like, you remember how Iowa State looked five years ago with Fred Hoiberg? Five six years ago, they had DeAndre Kane. All these guys was like, why is this guy at Iowa State? Yeah, that's what no Iona's. Yeah, and I Iowa State's in the Big Twelve. And, yeah. like, I think Iona is going to be – I'm not saying they're going to be a, a contender, but they're going to be what Wichita State was, what even East Tennessee State's kind of been. Like, they're going to be the best team, one of the best major programs in the country for – it might be a two-year, three-year period before he bounces to some powerful high school and says, oh, we'll give him a shot. Well, he, but, says, he says you can't get rid of him because his buyout is so crazy. I don't know what it is. He wouldn't tell us, but he says the buyout number is so absurd that – He'll never coach anywhere else. Like this is his, this is his, his retirement job. <laughs> so, so like, I don't know what that Iowa buyout. Like, like really, what could that be? Is like, it seventy-five million or is it five? Like, if it's five, even ten, somebody can make. That's what I'm trying to say. Like an Iona, an Iona buyout just can't be that crazy to me. Like, I don't know. Yeah, because he's not making that much. Like, he's not even making that much to begin with. He's I mean, probably he, making he, a lot. I know he had no leverage because like nobody really wanted him. But like, I again, I can't. Like, even if I was his agent, I'd be like, "Fam, I'm not letting you sign this." And though his agent says that, his, he told his agent, "I don't care what the buyout is. I, this is all I'm doing." But I don't know if I believe him because he's Rick Pitino. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not taking anything he says at face value. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, but yeah, he's gonna he's gonna win games. He's gonna get players, and that's where my thing is. Like, yes, morally, we may have different a different set of values. You may have a different set of values than one person, but if kids and parents are still deciding, parents are still deciding to send their kids to Iona, the kids are still deciding to sign up to play for Rick Pitino, and the NCAA doesn't want to step in, like, I can't be mad at Iona. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, like, at some point, we got to be like, yo, it's the NCAA's job to say this guy can't coach again. And they didn't, they haven't made that determination. I mean, you're saying that, Kendall, but again, five, six years from now, when we hear some crazy, some absurd scandal at Iona, I'm going to come back to you saying, well, you said that you couldn't blame Iona. Like, no, I am going to blame Iona. You guys chose so what's gonna happen winning, ba- winning basketball season? and money 
over or maybe, two years or in the over whatever you guys end up dealing with five or six years from now. Or maybe I'm wrong. Rick Pitino has turned it over a leaf. I hope he has. I don't want thing, bad things to happen. When I predict bad things to happen, I, it's rare that I ever want them to happen. So let me make that clear. So I, don't, I don't hope that five or six years from now I'm saying there. I told you SMU, so. Do you think the SMU uh, administration regrets hiring Larry Brown? I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll be I think it, yeah, I don't it improved so. the profile of the basketball program. They became a, a power for a hot minute. They, the fans were rabid. The students were rabid. Got a new arena built. Got some high-level five-star players, and they were a contender for a short period of time. They stink now. They're back. They're not as bad as they were, and that's where I think they don't regret the decision. Yes, Larry Brown ended up doing what we all said he would, just <laughs> like what you're saying, Rupert, you know, He ended up getting in trouble with the NCAA, and they had to get rid of him. But – they, they were only going to get put so bad because guys were still there. He created an infrastructure that st- that stabilized the basketball program that went from the worst in the Conference USA to now a mediocre American conference, which is a tougher conference. Now they're an average middle-of-the-road American conference program. So it's like and, – and, and plus they had those glory years where they were winning the American, and they were – Yeah. I, I, just, five, I just feel like it's just, it's just rolling the That's dice. Like, like for every – yeah, but it's just rolling the dice. With, with, with every Larry Brown, like you could have another situation where things don't work out as well. Maybe you don't win as much, and then then the the bottom falls out. You could have a Jim Harrick at Georgia, like you know what I'm saying? Like 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 for that scenario, like you got the same thing. Jim Harrick went to won the national championship, or went to the national championship, went to the final four. He goes to Georgia. Like I mean, yeah, Georgia's been basketball has like, been, been dormant. Like what's what's Chino, what's man. the risk? It's like I mean, the risk is very big. Like. It may work out, and maybe the, the, the blowback is minimal. Or you could have a Jim Gary situation, and you don't win that much, and then you get crushed by the NCAA because you had the assistant coach teaching basketball classes to his coach, to, to his team. Like, that's the other realistic risk when dealing with someone like Rick, Rick Pitino, like a Jim Harrick, like a Larry Brown. Maybe things work but, out, and things aren't as like, bad, this is but I, sometimes I they might be. And that, that's what we also have to understand, that this is Iona. I, but that's why I think this might this be worse because I'm like, yo, Rick Pitino again. You don't, I mean, he think he don't think that people are looking at him. You don't think he's gonna try to even do some more slick stuff. He gotta get guys. <laughs> he gotta get guys to go to yeah, Iowa, fam. What do you think? Yeah, when how they start getting five stars, yeah, how do you think he's yeah, gonna get those guys to go there? I I've been I'm actually been you, to Iona. It's a, it actually stars. is a pretty nice campus. It's a really nice area. Like it's a cool spot. Like you know, but it's Iona. <laughs> like again, when you start seeing five stars pop up at Iona, trust me. Five, six years later, or maybe less than that, we're going to start hearing ex-player <laughs> caught in scandal, you know, you know, accepted, you know, $30,000 or something. We're going to hear the absurd stuff because, like, the, the absurdity always follows Rick Pitino. And I hope I'm wrong. I, I own a when New York area team. I root for them. I want them to do well. Uh, when they play in the tournament, I will root for them as well. Like, so, I'm just saying, I, it's not going to so, end well. Uh, so when Iona is on the on the on the top five for like Jonathan Kuminga next year, like are you gonna be like, man, I was wrong? Like this is I'm not gonna know because I gotta like, see how no because I gotta <laughs> see how it ends up playing out. Because if again Iona is in a prostitution scandal, I'm gonna be like, fam, that wasn't worth it. Like that wasn't worth it. Like we've seen some absurd college sports scandals, and Rick Pitino has been in like in the major ones. He's been in like three of them. If you think the last decade yeah. would have been the most absurd, like if I named you the ten most absurd college sports scandals, 
There's a great argument. Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino's in three of them. If it's in college basketball, without question, the top ten, he's in three of them. So, like, that's what we ask me. Will I, they regret it if they get someone like Johnny Kamingo or they even in the discussion for him? I'm like, what is the end of the story? Because I don't – if the end of the story is something absurd, which is it's according to the last decade, there's a 30% chance that it will be, then it might – no, it might not be worth it. That's how I, that's how I look at it. But um, let's get Kendall's court so we can get out of here. What do you got? Yeah, so Kendall's court um... – we talk about what was a similar situation to what happened with Patina. I mentioned Sean Miller and Will Wade, uh, coaches at Arizona and LSU, respectively. Uh, obviously, they were caught up in the FBI scandal uh, involving paying players uh, and shoe companies and agents and, uh, you know, FBI agents that were planted and undercover. Um HBO decided to pick up a documentary uh, on it on Christian Dawkins, who was a runner for this for the agents, who kind of was a middleman, and a, they've I started screening the documentary for the media. It's coming out March thirty first, and in the documentary, obviously, it's going to go through that whole situation. It's from Dawkins's point of view. He's narr- not narrating, but he's the he's the subject of the documentary, so it'll be slanted probably a little bit in his favor. But um, that I don't I don't think that that's an issue because I, I'm not saying he was innocent, but you know, we I would say the center of the of this of the scandal, so he should probably be the one to tell it. Uh, and we all know Will Wade and Sean Miller won't say anything on it, so. Um, regardless, in the documentary, though, they uh, actually play, play <laughs> uh, the, a lot of bits of audio that were played in courtrooms f- with Sean Miller and with uh, Will Wade. So uh, it's funny in the documentary, uh, apparently Dawkins <laughs> says, uh, <laughs> look, man, what I saw with Sean Miller do that do that act at the press conference I was talking about how he didn't pay anybody he's never paid a player in his life he was like I was like that guy you should look into Hollywood man <laughs> we're talking about a good actor because he was straight up lying <laughs> oh man so I mean look personally I'm very excited for this um they've got I mean people are already playing the, you know already transcribing the conversations that are played in the in the documentary you know, obviously you can find it for yourself or you can watch a documentary, but um, there there is conversations with Will Wade talking with uh, talking with uh, Christian Dawkins about players, Javante Smart, uh, talking about Jerome Blassom game, like uh, Jerome Blassom game when it was at Clemson. You there obviously there's conversations of with Sean Miller talking about Will Wade paying players and how. Like, Will Wade was trying to get Nas Reed and, you know, who ended up going to LSU. You know, Christian Dawkins was saying Arizona could get involved. And they were talking about how much Sean Miller, how he was talking to Sean Miller about, you know, how this guy Will Wade's got a big pair of you-know-whats. And, you know, he's willing to pay a lot. And, you know, Sean Miller, yeah, man, this is crazy. Like, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but, like, this is, these are real conversations that were happening that were recorded. This is this is bad, man. And it, it may not matter because again, the NCAA just does not care. But once people start hearing Sean Miller's voice, because there was a level of people didn't believe the conversations were even happening because they didn't hear it. 
Mm. And that's a lot of that's that's in multiple aspects of society. It's not just sports. But yes, that like that's that's a thing that we have in society. If I don't see it or I didn't hear it, I don't know if it happened. Right. I can't totally believe it. Even if there is record. Well, now once people hear it, we'll see and they recognize Sean Miller's voice, especially Lil Wade, people probably don't even know what he sounds like. But <laughs> Sean Miller people certainly will know what he sounds like. Once they recognize his voice, It'll be. Uh, I wonder if the the tone will change surrounding this conversation, especially considering there's going to be nothing else to watch on March 31st. <laughs> You're right. About unless that. It, besides the news, there's yeah. gonna be nothing else to watch, especially if you're a sports fan. So uh, that should be fascinating. Yeah, that's that is gonna be fascinating because, like you said, um, the FBI thing didn't hit as hard as we thought it would. So kind of. Getting away from, like, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, they say, you know, you want to hide something from someone, put it in a book. Like, the one thing about this FBI thing was that, like, a lot of it was, like, reading long articles, reading indictments. So, to get all the kind of, like, the juicy details for a lot of this stuff, you kind of had to really pay attention and read. And as we know, for a society that is, has, like, you know, ADD as as a whole almost, that can be very hard. So, having this on TV, very accessible, in your face detailing it with video and audio like that just changes things for people so i wonder because i because i think for the most part uh nobody cared about this fbi scandal so we thought it we we talked about it on the show it was crazy there was a lot of crazy stuff happening and it just seemed like like people just moved on i think people just have grown to the idea that i my theory people grown to the idea that players should be played so they don't care if there's some shenanigans happening but i think (laughs) Again, maybe it may, this may change things by having a guy detailing the corruption like in a very major way, um, in a very accessible way, an easy way to understand. It may, it may, it, it may change things. It may end up making more headlines than maybe we would have imagined, considering how much of a dud I think that the FBI overall investigation was. So, uh, but yeah, March thirty first, man, we're gonna check that out since there's no March Madness so. and. Also, don't be surprised if coming off this documentary as well, we also end up getting a biopic on this story. Because this story sounds that crazy. I would love it. Like, I can see this being a major motion picture. Yeah, man. Somebody playing, you know, Michael B. Jordan playing Christian Dawkins. (laughs) And, like, like him having these... What's so crazy about it is Christian Dawkins, and you're going to see it in the documentary, but Christian Dawkins thought that, like, the runner the whole time that he was working for that he thought, like, was, like, you know, giving him all this money and stuff that he was supposed to give to, like, coaches or something. He was pocketing it for himself. Like, he, like, or he was supposed to give to agents. He was pocketing it for himself. Like, the guy he was working for was an FBI agent, and he didn't know it. So that's why he said he thinks he's, like, yo, I'll set up. Like, this guy from the jump had me doing this. Like, I wasn't even doing anything illegal. They just they just, they just picked me <laughs> to go get Rick Pitino, and they, they, they got me in this mess. But, like... Uh, you know this, like this is gonna be a crazy story. Uh, once you see the documentary, I think people are gonna then be like, "Man, we gotta see this in a movie format," because you know this is a uh, this is a story that we've never seen before. March thirty first, man, check it out. Uh, that's it for this week's edition of New Generation Sports Talk. I know we haven't been on for a while, so this one's a little bit of a long one, but hope you guys did enjoy this one. Of course, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Also, definitely make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. We've seen some unbelievable growth uh, really since the year started, but definitely over the last month or so. 
um, a lot of new subscribers and a lot of new views. So uh, you guys seem to be liking the content. So if you guys do, make sure you, uh, if you haven't um, uh, subscribed yet, make sure you subscribe to our channel, New Generation Media, where we post uh, all original content on there. Most of the stuff on there is not even stuff on the podcast. It's totally different content. So make sure you check that out. Again, New Generation Media. Excuse me, New Generation Media. Also, uh, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod. On Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Our Facebook page is New Generation Media. On Twitter, uh, you can find me, EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.